this session, the party quietly enters the room. As they start to scan their surroundings, a large wooden chest is revealed resting against the wall in the far corner. Quickly now, quickly, open the chest. Let's see what we have. There must be tons of gold in here. Wait, wait, do you hear that? Is that your stomach rumbling? That's not my stomach. I thought it was your stomach. Join our adventure party as we delve into the social and cultural aspects of our favorite game, all while enlightening our taste buds with a random craft beer. So crack open your favorite Bardic Inspiration and roll initiative with us of Dice and Brews. Recording. We're recording. No, welcome. Good, no welcome zeros back. across the board, right? No zeros. We're actually recording. We've had a couple mishaps where we uh, start talking and we lost some gold due to my my ineptability <laughs> to press the record button. <laughs> Learning curve, bro. <laughs> like fifty minutes of gold. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Well, you do what you can. We're back of Dyson Brews. Oh, again. How long's it been? Stretching it out. It feels like a month. Yeah, it's actually only been the exact same time as it every other time. Two, two weeks. weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's bad. Well, but we got a special thing going on today. We, we actually do. have our very first guest on oh. of Dyson Brews, Mike from Mimic Stickers. How you doing, Mike? I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Thanks yeah. for thanks for coming on on short notice. It's exciting. Guest yeah, no start. Worries. Yeah, that, this is weird. I don't. There's a there's four of us now. <laughs> what? <laughs> we're, we're a real adventuring party now. Yeah. <laughs> All roles fulfilled. <laughs> So, Mike, tell tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Like, uh, tell us about your shop. Plug it away, man. Um, do cool. your yeah, thing. No, Hopefully, uh, we can make you a couple dollars. Hey, man, that's 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 all in good fun. Um, honestly, I just uh, so I have a shop called Mimic Stickers. Um, I've got an Instagram and an Etsy, uh, which can probably rattle off the sites, but it's just at Mimic Stickers on Instagram, and then you can find like the Etsy through there. Uh, but yeah, I just started making some uh, cool stickers. My fiance was like super stoked about this cricket machine. Like we all got locked away because of the pandemic and had some time off this winter, and she was like, I feel like being creative. And so like she wanted to get this cricket machine, and I was like, what is this thing? And then instantly kind of fell in love with it, and it kind of inspired me to get back into drawing again. Uh, you know, drawing art has been something I was always kind of into, and I was just kind of trying to think of like what to do it was funny i feel like when i first like started the business i i couldn't find anything like it you know what i mean i was like oh yeah there's like dnd stickers but they're not they're not like the same like as what i'm thinking or visualizing and then so i just started drawing stuff and making stickers and like testing out papers and i realized i really love the manufacturing side of things like the drawing side is fun and like the art side is really cool but honestly, just like to creating something tangible was something that really kind of took off for me. Yeah. Um, so I just started working on designs and, you know, just putting them out there and seeing if people would be interested. And obviously, like, I've gotten some pretty good responses so far. I'm 
you know, uh, actually pretty stoked about the people who've, I just get to share art with people. And uh, I think the biggest part about the stickers in general and kind of what I'm doing uh, that has, has enriched my life, so to speak, has been just the people I've met throughout this process. Um, this community in general is an awesome community. Uh, they're all very supportive. They're all very, I don't know, just get behind everybody who's doing something and they all support doing what you do, like do your own thing. And it's not like forcing people to conform. Um, you know, I think there's kind of the, the D&D for, is for everyone is like honestly one of the truest things I've come into in a community. And so yeah, I think it's very cool much that there's so. a place. Yeah, there's a place for everyone. It's a game where like people can, you know, be who they want to be and act out all their, you know, wildest dreams and fantasies and try out new personalities and personas. And so I think that's kind of cool. And that's what I like about the D&D craft and art community, so to speak, whether it's dice or dice trays and bags or, you know, miniatures or stickers or whatever have you. Um, it, everyone just kind of puts their own flavor on it. And I think that that's really awesome. And so that's just what I'm trying to do. Um, make stickers that I would want to stick on my things and figure if I like them, someone else might like them. And that's kind of where it's at. That's super cool, man. Like, honestly, uh, we, we talked about you uh, in a couple episodes ago and we gave you a little plug. We, we, we noticed yeah, that, that was you- awesome. We we noticed that you kind of have that like a uh, old school hot rod that rat yeah. rat fink kind of style esque. That's what I'm sitting here looking at your uh, your Instagram, looking at yeah. them, like not only stickers. These would be badass tattoos. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that old Ed oh, Hardy or Eddie Bauer. <gasps> what was it? Ed Hardy. Ed, Ed Hardy. Daddy yeah, Rock. it's kind of like I I get the feeling. Um, you know, a lot of my my family is uh bikers, and so they got their okay. tattoos on their arms are very random it, it's the most random things you know <laughs> a hodgepodge collage type and i could see this type of artwork oh yeah just going like here's an arm of there's a fucking a d20 a mimic uh you know just whatever random shit all with over the, with the adventuring map yeah. that ties them together yeah just all over in random spots yeah th- yeah it's super cool man I-, I love your style i'm a big sticker buff <laughs> so as soon as i saw um your stickers i was like man i gotta get some of these so then i entered well, your, your was that oh go ahead well then i entered that giveaway hoping that i was gonna win but then and then we hooked up for a collaboration which which we'll announce uh later but um we hooked up for that collaboration and uh so i have yet to place an order yeah so but i i will i'm gonna get there don't worry about it. Wait, because I've got I've, I've sent a surprise out to you guys. Um, you know, as kind of a thank you for plugging in that one episode, and obviously part of this kind of collaboration, the thing that we worked on. I sent you just a a couple test stickers of those, as well as like just each of you. I've sent like a whole bundle of like some of my sticker designs that I sent out to all of you. It left earlier, I think Monday this week, so you guys should be getting it in the mail pretty soon. Thank you, uh, Mike. So, I, we don't we don't have a product that we produce that we can offer uh, in in <laughs> in exchange i feel uh no, no. so yeah, everybody do, mimic stickers <laughs> etsy mimic stickers get them <laughs> yeah. yeah super cool anybody should be should be uh, like glad to put these stickers on your on your laptops your adventure tomes your your notebooks yeah, are amazing like- that's been my favorite part about doing this is honestly, it's like, you know, the, the money is more just like a logistical thing of like, you know, cool, I've got to buy materials and I've got to pay to ship it to you, right? Like I do free shipping and all that stuff. But honestly, the coolest part about any of this is being able to do like sticker trades with other like sticker designers um, yeah. and seeing like the feedback of where people stick stickers. Like, you know, I mean, what do you stick stickers on that's important? And that's kind of cool to me. It's like some things I wouldn't even think of. Like I, that's interesting. I've had first. people send me anything from like the inside of their player's handbook to their laptop to you know uh, one person who paints miniatures stuck them all over the side of their little toolbox, yeah. and it's like that to me is like My the biggest palette. honor. You're taking this 
you know, something that's important in your creativity or something that's important in your work or your life or something you carry around. And you're just like, I don't know, like you're, you're putting artwork. Yeah. Adding a little bit of mic to, to whatever you care about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just, kinda, it's kind of cool, man. Like it makes, it makes me feel good that people like to express themselves through other people's art. And it's awesome to be a part of their expression, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely, uh, I'm going to piggyback on what you said is like about the community, man. It just, I'm with you there. It just feels like everybody, all styles, all, all everything is welcome. Like there's nothing met with a, a negative connotation so far on, on what I've seen. It's just a yeah, big, I mean, a big, a rolling ball of positivity that just keeps on going. And it's, it's really exciting to see and, and how many people uh, share each other's posts and products and giveaways and just willingly. Yeah. One thing I, I see, like, especially on Twitter, I see it a lot on Twitter, not so much on, on Facebook or Instagram, but in the D and D community, there's the, the tabletop RPG solidarity, solidarity, yeah. which is huge. Like every Saturday, all these pages or these twitter groups are like self-promo self-promo yeah. hit yourself up and and if you if you post your 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 page like we post uh, of dice and brews it's always liked by like at least you know five to ten random people plus the moderator that's on that that twit that tweet yeah fleet i don't know what it's called <laughs> tweet fleet. but yeah i mean no, just, it's, like i don't i don't see anything self-promo uh, in other communities, uh, you don't see that type of stuff in 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 car. Well, you're not in the same. Like I feel like self promo is like hated. You know what I mean? It's like you're you're trying to plug something that you're passionate about and you want to share with people, and people right. like flame you for it. Whereas here, people like raise it up and share it. And you know, like I've met a couple people just through the Instagram community. Like I'm still. I have like lots of like ideas for doing things and stuff like that. But when it comes to actually marketing myself, I'm kind of new at that aspect of things. Like it's I've difficult. worked in, in various places on marketing teams, but I was never the person with like the marketing strategy, so to speak. And so that's kind of the cool thing. It's like in this community, I've, I've met so many people just through the Instagram platform and some people through Reddit and things of that nature who are just like banner wavers. Like they, they're like, wow, look at this. And then their whole mission becomes like lifting other people up and sharing other people's ideas and artwork. And like, there's just so many ways that you can be creative in this community, which I think is awesome. It's not just stickers and it's not just, you know, uh, minis and dice and bags. Like I had no idea the whole resin dice world existed. And now almost mm -hmm. everything I follow on Instagram is resin dice. It's like the crazy, I bought my first set of resin dice too. from, yeah, like I bought some from this dice maker who we connected on Instagram and like, she's super awesome. And like all her dice are great. And she happened to make a set of dice called like alchemist fire. Right. Mm -hmm. And my gamer tag is alchemist. And I was like, Oh my God, I have to absolutely grab these dice. It's like meant to be. And so it's like, it's just really cool. Like being able to connect with people and just seeing people, I mean, people make items. Like they just make pictures of items and they're like, oh, this knife does this. Play it in D&D. &D. And like, yeah. that's all they do. And it's just mind blowing. There's one girl that's like, I met on Twitter, like back in the day when I started to try and do like character commissions and stuff, who does like, who's making a fashion book, like, mm -hmm. a, like the D&D &D worlds and like fashion of the Sword Coast kind of thing. And she's got this super unique art style. And it's just amazing that you can really put your passion kind of to anything. And as long as you believe in it, the D&D community is going to believe it too. Like they're going to like raise you up and, you know, bring you to life and show the world how talented everybody else is. It's very like, it's not self-serving in the same way that a lot of other communities are. Yeah. And I think it, what's nice about that too, is I think our community, we've kind of talked about this, you know, the trolls or the gatekeepers and stuff like that. We have some oh, yeah, you guys talked about that, uh, the, like episode six, I think that was yeah. awesome. I actually really enjoyed that conversation. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. That was episode six. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, but like, 
we this community too has like antibodies i feel like that protect that almost like maker revolution and creativity and and just that openness and i i don't see that in a lot of other yeah I, and going back to what you said about the the ballot the the banner waivers mike it, it almost feels like to put a D class on it like the paladins of the community yeah like they're just Absolutely. riding into battle on their mounts with their banners waving yeah. with their with with 20 flags of different content <laughs> creators up, upon them that is Absolutely. so true or like bards who go on like adventures yeah, with a bunch go. of like makers yeah. and they just sing the praises of all the makers and make sex to everybody else yeah that's so great <laughs> yeah you know another thing that i come across recently is uh custom uh character sheets there's been like this oh, yeah, wave. Those are amazing. Yeah, there's been this wave of like custom character sheets where like uh, artists are commissioning or being commissioned to draw custom character sheets for different uh, player characters and stuff like that. And some of those are just like phenomenal. Like I'd be scared to write on them. See, I, yeah. like I'm just yeah, gonna like, that's the thing. You have to just like copy it and then laminate it. And use like a dry erase marker. See, I, know, I like thing, I you know? like the looks of them, but yeah. I, I me personally, I'm the guy like I want. White on black, you know, no no extra filler, easy visible to see as a character sheet. Something like very simple. Well, maybe maybe you do something that, like when when the, the character, character sheet, passes away or yeah, okay, yeah, or, or gets to godhood, then you fill out a final sheet and then you post it like somewhere yeah. like hanging like a ca- tapestry. Yeah, or I could see like having a final sheet and be like, all right, now that's a piece of artwork. But well, as, as something to use, is. no, I need I need oh, something yeah. super simple, clean, very easy, visually not cluttered. Well, see, I, I yeah, I can understand that too. I'm the same way. Like I, so I started playing D and D on Discord or Pathfinder rather on Discord, um, like probably like six years ago with some friends. Uh, they introduced it. so I played some D and D like just throughout my life, right? And then I had some friends who were like, "Bro, you need to play Pathfinder." And I'm like, "Why?" They're like, "Cause it's like." old D&D, but made better and harder than this new yeah, D&D. Yeah, if you like geometry oh, you and trigonometry, out. then you'll love Pathfinder. Yeah, like, <laughs> that brings absolutely, up. Absolutely, right? And so, like, I got so frustrated with the like, having to, like, constantly flip between like, the Pathfinder character sheets, so I ended up coding my, well, not coding, but like, formulate formulating my own spreadsheet that's like a smart spreadsheet so every time i change attributes like things change and like now i've got like eight sheets on it that have all my inventories and stuff because i was just super not satisfied but like i tried drawing one of those cool ones and i realized like i just don't have the brain for spacing like i'd always end up with like no room for anything except cool pictures (laughs) he gets all he gets all the way to charisma and he's like well that's a small box (laughs) (laughs) i guess i'm taking an eight in charisma (laughs) yeah i guess i can only fit one digit in here (laughs) yeah so uh, so is that where you started is is on discord like how long have you been playing dnd mike um so i've been playing dnd for some time like i I, so I had gotten a like a D and can't remember if it, was, if it was like a dungeon master's guide or a play or, or a monster manual. It was not a player's handbook, and my mom didn't realize what it was when I was like a young kid. She just like saw it and was like, "Oh, he likes drawing stuff like this. Maybe this is a book about dragons, right, or something like that." And so she basically bought me like a monster manual from like a flea market, nice. and that was like my first introduction. But I was like an only kid, so I really had no one to play with. I kind of lived out in the country a little bit, so it's like. I didn't really have opportunities to play. I just kind of read through and like read about these monsters, right? And then in high school, or maybe like it was like between high school and middle school, I met some kids in this neighborhood that I'd moved to um, who played like magic and D&D and all that kind of stuff. And we played a couple games, but we were also kids. And it was like right before high school. So like getting anybody, obviously the biggest plight of any D&D player or DM is like getting other people to show up at the time you agree on, right? right. Like that's the big conundrum of how to make that happen. Everybody loves D&D, but is afraid to play it, it seems like. That's yeah. the right? hardest thing and of so like, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, and I mean, it's, like, it's a meme for a reason. 
but so it's like I finally started playing with some kids when I was like probably like 12 or 13 or 14. Um, and we played like little campaigns and stuff. And a lot of them were like homebrew. So it's like I never played any of the actual like source materials until later on. And then, like, you know, through high school, it was just really hard to find people to play because, you know, like, you were, hey, you guys want to play D&D? And they're like, what, nerd? Here's a dodgeball. And they hit you or whatever, right? <laughs> If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you can dodge a fireball. Yeah, that's right. Ooh, that's never happened. I just got made the fun of more. So. But, yeah, like, it, so I played a bunch when I was, like, little as far as, like, kind of experimenting it. And I didn't really learn anything. Like, I always played the exact same character. I wasn't, like, trying to, like, push the boundaries of who I was. I was just playing, like, if I was the character in this world, this is who I would be every single time. And so yeah. it's like I always played rogues and, you know, was always that exact same, like, archetypal rogue who was whatever. And it wasn't until later I started playing with some, like, longtime friends that uh, had always played growing up that I kind of really started playing source materials and learning a little bit more about, like, how to build a character that's interesting to play, not just playing the same sneak attack, like blow you up rogue that I always played. Yeah. Um, but I think my, my, my best experience with D and D is like, I had like the first time I had like a DM that like blew my mind, right? Like that DM that you kind of tell stories about, you know, when you're talking with your other D and D friends was this dude that I met playing like elder scrolls online. We'd never met in person before. We just met on like the internet playing video games, like MMOs and stuff. And, um, we were just talking about it one day and he was like, yo, do you ever play D and D? And I was like, yeah, I love D and D. And he's like, Oh man, you got to join this game with me and my brother that we're starting up. And I was like, well, how he's like, Oh, we're going to get on discord. Um, you know, we're going to do it all theater of the mind. So there was like, he basically had maps and that was it. And they were like maps that were like crudely drawn by him, but he was such a good storyteller that you didn't need the tabletop. You didn't need anything. Like I, I used to have like a, my graphic design and like my, my freelance like creative office was built in this like walk-in closet that I had. <laughs> so I kind of like locked myself in this little closet and could just visualize everything he said. And that was the first time I actually really RP'd characters. Like before it would be like, Oh, I go and punch the guy or I'm going to be sneaky. Right. But it was never like really like RP, but he kind of lent us to this environment where it's like, we'd have entire sessions where it was just conversations that was something that was mind blowing for me is I could have as much fun doing that as I could playing like a min max Sork build. That to me was like, really when I was like, man, this is something that is, I would rather do this than like play video games online with my friends, because this is allowing me to be creative. It's allowing me to express things that I can't normally express in like the real world. Right. Yeah. And, and so that was kind of like, the first, yeah. Yeah. And that was awesome. I played, sorry, sorry, go ahead. You just don't feel like construed by the code of the game. You know, you can, you can venture yeah. outside and you can see, what's on the other side of those uh, conversations and how people are really thinking and, and dive into the deep, the deep end and just be like, how, how deep is this NPC? How far did this DM go <laughs> yeah, with this yeah. NPC? One thing, you know, absolutely. And the thing is, is a lot of his main NPCs were characters that he had played in campaigns since the time he was like 10 years yeah, old. I think all DMs so do that. Gone, <laughs> yeah. I think so one of the, had gone deep. One, like, like one of the things that gets me good. like, uh, with, with like what you said there, you stop playing video games because it's just D and D. Nothing, nothing can compare. And yeah, it doesn't quite feel the same. Like I no. still love. Like I'm huge into Elder Scrolls. I, I didn't do the the online. I didn't care for the online, but I like the you know Morrowind. That was my all time favorite. Oh yeah, but that's, that's but I, I, I don't have. Anyway. I've noticed now with D and D, I don't have time to play video games because when I'm not playing D and D, I'm like, all right. Character concepts, mini painting, uh, stories for the, you know, because I'm DMing. Oh man, it, it consumes all of my free time mentally that 
I don't even think about video games anymore. I have yeah. an Xbox that I don't think about video games doesn't work, and I don't TV. care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's pretty crazy the the world that that gets your your eyes open to as soon as you realize that your imagination is the limitation of what you can do or think about. And then when you Absolutely. when you introduce other people's imaginations into your imagination and and the piggyback roller coaster ride that you go on throughout your session time is just. It's crazy. It's it's well, like a a mind meld of creativity that you can never it's always, uh, replicate. It's always fun to introduce new new players. I think because like we had my fiance for the first time last what was it two weeks ago mm-hmm. when we played, and it was it was she funny. Coming tonight? Uh, she is coming tonight. Oh, she um, but <laughs> it was that moment of like panic that first time players always have. What the like, fuck am I supposed to do? Yeah, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. well, what do you want to do? Uh, yeah. well, what second. can I do? Is there a multiple <laughs> choice? Can I have a list? <laughs> if, yeah. you, if you were just, as hungry as this person, what would you do? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, what your want character's that about to do. Bioware mechanic, where yeah. it's like, it gives you four options, and then like sometimes special characters get a special option. It's like, <laughs> I ran into that a lot, so I made the harrowing, not mistake, like that would be a bad way to say it, I made the harrowing decision to try my first time as a DM <laughs> with five brand new players. Who have oh, never played D and D before? Yeah, it is. I, I think well, I realized. Man, I in feel like that that'd moment, be easier than five experienced well, players. But I mean, being a first time DM and expecting people know to know how to how to react to you oh, DMing, yeah. I can understand where he didn't even have a veteran on the other side to kind of pull yeah. the party through yeah. a little bit, or just be like, hey, "Yeah, this is the kind of direction we want to go in." Mike, or what was that example. like? Yeah, was, was there a bunch of cri- mean, bunch of crickets at at points? <laughs> not not even that. I feel like so. I feel like it was a bunch of friends who I've known for years and have worked with and hung out with and whatever that know I'm into D and D and we're all interested in the concept of it, not quite understanding what it actually takes to prepare for it. I guess mm-hmm. right. So it's the kind of thing of like, all right, guys. So like five weeks from now, we're gonna play some D and D. I need you to make characters. And then five hours before the session, they were still trying to figure them out because they hadn't started. Right. Yeah. So it's like. It's that kind of stuff. So then learning how to get them into it without stifling their excitement about it by making it too much. Right. So I tried to help. I tried to sit down and we tried to do like a session zero and all this kind of stuff where like they got to kind of just be comfortable with who their characters are. But they never really developed who their characters were. They never really knew what spells they had. They didn't understand. And as I tried to like explain, you know, it, it seemed like they were kind of like, oh, man, this is a lot of work. Right. And that for me was kind of like. I think I should have like maybe had like two new people and two people who'd played before so those people could kind of lead the group. And the one person who was kind of familiar with it picked a role and just kind of hard played that role, uh, which was cool, but their role was very stubborn and not at all a good leader. Honestly, like they can be cool characters, but sometimes they're just the worst, especially as if a you DM. Don't have, if you don't have the rest of the party yeah, to fill the void. Yeah, yeah. If you have especially as a DM when you're looking for somebody to just kind of pull the party and you got that that one person that's like the best role player at the table or the best person at pulling the group along and they're just stuck in that I'm a loner. I don't trust anybody. Exactly, right. I don't want to play exactly. this game. Fuck you, Aragorn. <laughs> That's Fuck basically what I want. And like I also made the second mistake of choosing uh the first like half of Rise of Tiamat with oh, the yeah. Dragon Queen. Yikes. Which is just like notoriously an awfully non-directional campaign. Well, right? and then on top of that, it's so unbalanced. So you have a whole group of new people trying to go against these unbalanced encounters you're just asking for tpks how many dice fudges did you have during that session right (laughs) so many did you actually even roll dice behind the screen did you just be like 
Yeah, no, that's a pretty good number you rolled. I'm gonna, I'm gonna accept that. <laughs> no, like, what I did is I just dumbed down. Like, I basically went through all of like the first couple chapters and took the encounter, like the encounter charts that they give you, um, and just minimized them, right? Because it's like I didn't have, I had basically a tank who wanted to be a fighter, or a paladin who wanted to be a fighter, but he didn't realize it. He just wanted to shield and felt that he had to be a paladin because, like, in past MMOs, he played paladin characters and in WoW, and those like, were the tanks, tank, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and so it's like they just. I think they didn't think the way D&D works. They thought the way other material and other, like, intellectual properties work and just applied that same mechanics, which was cool. But, like, I had a bard who didn't want to speak up. And I had a druid who wanted to be a wizard. And I had, uh, there was a warlock who didn't realize that, like, he was going to have to deal with some shit from his patron. You know what I mean? He's going to have to, like, cool, you picked all these spells and that's great, but we're going to have some conversations tonight while you're trying to take a long rest. He you want, know what I mean? He wants, he wants all, all the perks and all the work. You know, I yeah, absolutely. You've got you've Perfect got the you're, you're saying your your first DM experience was you know you DMing first time for a bunch of noobs. Well, my first like real main campaign, I'm still running it right now. I'm playing for a bunch of players that are actually rather experienced, and I'm playing. Uh, here we go, plugged Icewind Dale. Yeah, take a drink. Yeah, just real quick. Mike, I've heard yeah. I've heard Ben say it a couple times. He said as a DM. So anytime mm-hmm. Ben says as a DM, we drink. We take a drink. Anytime, oh, cool. yeah. Any- anytime I say Icewind Dale, we take a drink. And then anytime I okay. say something about working with teenagers, you take a drink. Yeah. Oh, we take two drinks. <laughs> you can, yes. <laughs> well, but so so I'm DMing for uh. A uh, group of you know rather experienced players, and in a in a campaign that's supposed to be way over the top tough, like if level level one, you can run into three uh, giants right off the bat, and that's that that, that's insane. Like they got multi attack, and they can kill you in one of those attacks. That's what you can run into. Well, it's a good yeah. thing John doesn't roll above ten. Yeah, I I don't roll very well, which is probably beneficial for them. Uh, and they're also good at the game, and they fuck everything I bring to them up. They just destroy <laughs> it. I'm like, man, this is supposed to be a hard campaign, guys, and you guys are fucking it up. Uh, I I increase, like, I max out everything in the encounters. I just like, ah, I'm fucking maxing it all out. And they still destroy it, yeah. run, run th- right through it. I'm like, oh my god, this is so frustrating. The best part about it for me is playing in John's campaign is like John. John, when he plays at your group as a player, he is the the lawful good guy. Like not in character, but John as a person is a lawful good person. Yeah. So he always yep. those overtones always kind of transfer into yep, his characters, even if even if they, he doesn't mean them to. <laughs> so when he's DMing, his DM style is very lawful good. Yep. And he's okay. running into a group of people that are very chaotic, chaotic. <laughs> in nature. So we started off the last session, at, and I'm, I play a bugbear ranger who used to be a bard <laughs> that was a gnome bard, but he got reincarnated as a bugbear ranger. So he's still trying to hold on to those, those bardic uh, abilities while having a whole new set of a- attributes. But we All started... Right. But we started off the last campaign about us trying to get on the same page, like us trying to unite the clan, so to speak. Like we were five people just running amok. Like, what is our what is our purpose here? What are we doing? You know, so I started off this monologue of this bugbear used to be bard, now ranger. And I could just look at John's face and be like, are you derailing my campaign right now? <laughs> like, is this group going to split up and everybody's going to like, is this a riot? Like, what's happening? I had a mutiny on my yeah. head. He thought he did, but I, 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 I tied it all together in the end and like brought it. I was like, 
I was really furthering his campaign, but through the process of monologuing, thinking that he was like, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> put you, put you through them. the stretches real quick. You're going to fucking freak out, and then I'll fix it at the end. <laughs> well, we got a character to kill. <laughs> you rocks fall, I you tried. Die. I tried to kill him. Yeah, oh, so man. I, I definitely... I, I I've played with the, I, I played with the table full of uh, completely new people, and I agree with you that. Um, and we talked about this in a previous episode. Is like sometimes you have to take away all those mechanics and all those things that make that experience daunting for new new players to keep the excitement. Like you said, you have to just strip it down to the bare minimum and just be like, "What does your mind tell you want to do?" And just roll a d twenty for it. And now you do this really cool thing with this class and that's how you go. And then, and then you just kind of let those players, like you put on the training wheels and you just let them take off the training wheels naturally, so to speak. Yeah. And, and that's what I tried to do to an extent. I, I really learned a lot about, well, I really learned a lot about like, I, I knew a lot about D and D, but I played four E five E and basically Pathfinder, which is like 3.5 roughly. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so like I, between all of the rule sets, five E is the newest to me. I've played the most Pathfinder. I'm glad that I'm playing 5e. I was looking really forward. That's why I was like, yeah, I can DM this. This is simpler. I can explain it. I can be more concise. But man, I realized how much I I don't know about certain situations and like how things should act. And so it was cool. It was a learning experience. And I that thing you just said about basically shedding it down to the, the most simple form, I think was something that I tried to do. Like like in a lot of like role play decision making situations where it's like, okay, are we gonna take the easy way or take the hard way, right? Like there's in the first chapter of, you know, well, I guess I don't want to spoil it, but in like the first chapter of Horde of the Dragon Queen, there's like a decision on how they want to approach this location, right? Yeah. And yeah. they can do like they did it backwards. And that to me is awesome because yeah. it's not the way it's written. It's I, I basically took everything away and was like, well, roll this. Or I was like, just roll one of those dice. You know, you, you with a high perception, right? And yeah, like they rolled the dice. There. They didn't even know what they were rolling for. And I was like, you notice something out of the corner of your eye and you kind of like guide them there. And it was all because of the rolls and it was all because of like the decision, the conversation they were having. Yeah. But because of that, they kind of like got themselves into a much more difficult confrontation than they expected to off the rip. But we're able to kind of bond over that. And I think it kind of like helped solidify their group. But it's just like learning, having watched a bunch of great DMs and thinking like, okay, I can do voices. I can, you know, I can like risk in the sense of like, I can kind of like ad lib and like go off the cuff with conversation. So, I, I could definitely DM, but it's so much more than that. I like, can't, I can't hold the rules a voice for more than five seconds. All my, all my voices end up Irish dwarfs. <laughs> that's, so, you know, that's, how my, that's how my DM was. Everything was like this, like this Scottish dwarf or like started out as something different and then rolled hard into like Scottish dwarf again. <laughs> the worst part about it is when you have a player at your table that's doing a really good voice and then every voice that you try to do is mimicking that <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that's what i was doing with uh, jeremiah like i my my character in your campaign wasn't supposed to have that that accent and then jeremiah starts talking and i'm like why the fuck am i talking like him <laughs> that's not my character's accent at all what the fuck and i but i can't break it yeah I, it's too hard to break i can't even the pull worst part about it is my it, original it, accent out anymore jeremiah is a really good at that one voice. One, yeah. And he plays that one voice. I don't know if I've voice. ever actually heard him do anything, <laughs> Jeremiah. One, I challenge you. He New plays voice. that one voice <laughs> all the time. So, And he's really good at it. So, but, but it's really hard once he gets going to not do that voice. And it's like it's like the Russian uh, Argonaut. Cosmonaut. Cosmonaut. KGB. Yeah. the It's, it's kind of like the guy off of Armageddon. He's like, this is my Russian space station. <laughs> <laughs> we do it in Russia. We hit it with a hammer. <laughs> So he's got this real thick 
Russian accent. You're just like, dude, that's really cool. I want to do that too. <laughs> so you just yeah. fall for it and you go. It, that's so the whole freaking. We ended up with goddamn like eight Russians at this pretty much. <laughs> so my I, well, I just realized my 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 one DM like that was really good at voices would always do like I said that kind of like Scottish like oh come on in come on down and sit down at the bar you know and you just be like oh cool like this this feels right this feels like a dwarf bartender telling me to sit down I'm gonna go on an adventure now but then I found out that basically all of my voices for most of my main characters basically just became like protagonists from dub animes yeah <laughs> so, like super excited super just like yeah what's going on it was like all the characters <laughs> I made were basically like rogues who were super like upbeat like anime protagonists mixed with like the the cocky crazy mouth of Deadpool and I was like oh this is this is my trope I need to stop yeah. <laughs> like, or just play into it right just, just accept just, it yeah, just you should make a it. character just specifically down. around your trope that's right yeah. I, I'm just exactly. make a character that is is your trope incarnate do college of swords like, a dual wield it was like a it was like a dual wield short sword unchained rogue which is like a like a homebrew archetype that they built for um Pathfinder and it's like unchained gets like you get to like I think it was like I gotta change my sneak attack D6s to D8s or yeah, something like that. Un- unchained. They did a whole bunch of unchained classes that yeah. were absolutely yeah. they're broken Brutal. as fuck. They're unchained. <laughs> they are so yeah, they were broken. broken as fuck. Gloves well, off. and then I went and like I multi-classed it because some of them you can like multi like specialize in Pathfinder, and so I would have that, and then I'd have like a Shadow Step Unchained Rogue that was like dual wielding like magical short swords, and I basically was Deadpool, but like, <laughs> it, like, but like weirdly enough, it was like Deadpool from the Wolverine Origins movies, so it uh, didn't really feel like Deadpool. It just felt like cocky Ryan Reynolds from. Play- <laughs> <laughs> so you mix like, you mix the the Wolverine Origins Deadpool with uh, the Blade trilogy. That's exactly what, yeah, exactly. I and feel so like, it, but like, I feel like Pathfinder, like they found a way mechanically just to make it so you could be pop culture heroes. They're like, we're just yeah, gonna make these absolutely. classes. So you can be your favorite classes inside the game. Yeah, like, that's yeah. all we're gonna do. Yeah. This we're gonna build our whole game around the fact that three point five was really good, really good system, and then we're gonna make it so you can play whatever character you oh, ever yeah. want to uh, play in real life. The and options on top of that, you can, yeah. Well, and you can hard mid max. Like, oh can, yeah. Like with some specializations, you can be literally the dumbest person in the world with the highest dexterity that hits every hit, no matter what you do, because you've got like. You're always invisible, you know what I mean? Because you've got, what, plus 28 to stealth, and, like, it's just insane. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's what, that's one thing I like about 5e, and this is this is one of the things I was going to actually bring up in, in our pre-funk, is something I've been noticing a lot in the, the Facebook uh, world, is people discussing the differences and their dislikes, likes versus three five Pathfinder and five E. Like I, th- I feel five E is like all that that superhero stuff you want to do. That's flavor to whatever class you think, however you feel fits. Flavor that whole fucking class to be whatever superhero you want. It's just flavor. The mechanics are the same. Where three point five or Pathfinder, it's like no, the mechanics are fucking different for absolutely every yeah. single feature you could possibly think of. There's a mechanic for it, and, and and the discussions online are insane. When you know some people are like, oh, you know, they're just two different games. You know, they're both great. They're they're they are what they are. And then some people are like, no, fuck five E. Five E sucks. <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't like be Batman, old it. Batman, not not young Batman or regular Batman, old Batman. I can't be him because blah blah blah. I'm like well, fucking good God, man. <laughs> yeah, it, the, 
I can't. So like, as, as tough as I discovered it was DMing, because like again, I'm relatively new to Five E, so it's like things that are the same in Five E as Pathfinder are the same, but things that are different are like way different. Mm-hmm. So trying to get that learning curve and like focus on it, but I can't imagine DMing for for three fives like these like this dude and his brother so his brother played like a ninja archetype rogue and i played a a gnome sorcerer who was probably one of my most broken characters on accident that i've ever made like they would get in these arguments like obviously sibling rivalry of like they both dm for each other and so forth they would just get in these arguments about minute rule sets where i'm like guys this has been like 45 minutes of you arguing whether you should get an extra D6 or not. Like, I'm losing my patience. Right <laughs> yeah, <now>. yeah. <laughs> no like longer immersed. Just take the D6. I don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd be like, can I just cast, like, something to buff him and get him the D6 so you guys shut up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So but it, was, it was just, like, the knowledge is insane in, like, that game. You, you, you got to have a fucking, you know, a degree in calculus to play, I feel. At the level Absolutely. it is now, because the the amount of feats and classes and sub, you know, all all the various things, like like I said, every single part of Pathfinder or three point five has its own mechanic, yep. which is just I, I I need a I need a fucking two year degree at a community college to play Pathfinder correctly. <laughs> Absolutely, it should have an associates of Pathfinder. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's why they came out with Pathfinder two E just to get. Exactly. <laughs> Whoa, and, we got carried away with like, it. I feel like if you have an associates in Pathfinder, it counts as like a prereq or prereq like trigonometry. Oh yeah, you, you yeah. pretty much got your MBA. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, can run absolutely. a business now. Congratulations, so, you are now a <laughs> constructional You have to have a bachelor's to even get into the Pathfinder program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Mike, real quick, what? It, you may have already kind of covered this, but what was the main barriers that you had to overcome in order to to step into that DM role? Uh, myself, probably like like yeah, overthinking it or underthinking it. Yeah, um, I think honestly, it was that was the first time I had to like tell myself, bro, it's just a game, mm-hmm. right? Like I'd sit there and I'd be getting frustrated, like because so like we we live in Alaska. Um, okay. I work. And, uh, it, like a, a re- this, I work at a hotel restaurant property that is only open for four months out of the year because it, the rest of the year it's like negative 30. Okay. Um, and so I live, I, like, if I look out my window right now, I'm looking at Denali National Park. So, like, oh, I wow. live in probably one of the most beautiful places in the world, um, which is awesome. But it comes obviously with its challenges. So, over the winter, there wasn't a whole lot to do. Like, things were shut down up here kind of still. So, we were playing, you know, but we all, like, had been, you know, tested and, like, they allowed vaccinations up here, like to people 16 and older, like four months ago. Mm-hmm. So like we've all been able to kind of like hang out and actually play at a table again, which was fun. And the first like five sessions we played at a table and it was great. Um, but then I had to move from Anchorage up to this Denali area to start getting our property ready and stuff like that. So yeah. it kind of went to this awesome, like interesting situation where I would, we started playing on a roll 20. So now instead of not having like a table set and minis all set up, we all of a sudden had a visual cue for everything mm-hmm. and only I was not there. So they got to be a group and they got to be together and work through these problems as a group. And I got to be this like removed, like talking head DM. Right. Yeah. And so I think that you were was Ashley Johnson in critical role. Absolutely. I was really, I was off on location somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like you're a Zordon from the power Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> that feels awful. That's right. Get them, Alpha. Are you, uh, just a, a side side question. 
Are you homesteading? No, no, I don't homestead. Oh, like man, that's what it, the, the way you were, like, slightly bringing it up, you're like, oh, we're building our property. I'm like, this, this dude fucking no, homesteading? So like, that sounds dope. <laughs> no, it, it would be awesome. I, I would homestead elsewhere. I don't know that I would be able to, like, homestead in, like, the, the temperatures that it gets here during the winter. Yeah. Uh, but, no, like, we have, like, my, my fiancé and I uh, are general managers of a log cabin kind of like restaurant and hotel property here in the Denali National Park area. Okay. Um, so we kind of have to get up and make sure that like water lines and sewer lines don't break over the winter and the winter temperatures and make sure that the cabins are level because of permafrost melt and all this kind of stuff. So it's like, there's just a lot of kind of like little preseason things you have to do as like the snow starts to melt and as it transitions from, you know, the dead of winter into the most beautiful time of year for four months until it whips you back into winter again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's just like a lot of little things to do. So and plus, it's like, I, Dale. <laughs> Take a drink. Honestly, it's, it's a lot like living in Skyrim. Like it really is like the scenery that I see like on a day to day basis is like very like, I feel like I'm in like summer. Like wait, scenes in Skyrim. Wait, there's, so it's there's dragons in Alaska? <laughs> oh, yeah. They fly over every once in a while. Um, I usually don't fuck with them too hard. Yeah, you no. should go hunt one down. Definitely not the blue one that's attacking the cube. I have archery skills where I can one-shot them yet. <laughs> so, with with that said, like, what was the one... And I'm, I am kind of asking some canned questions here, but I think it's kind of important for people that do listen, is like, what was the one thing that you thought before DMing that you found out either was more true or less true, like, that you were surprised about. Does that make sense? Yes. One thing I thought before DMing that I thought was more true that I found it was less true? Yeah. So, like, like you had this, like, stereotype in your head before you got behind the screen. And then once you got behind the screen, you realized, yeah, this this is... You were scared of something, uh, and then you realized, oh, shit, I'm, I don't need to be worried about that. Yeah. Or you were like, oh, shit, oh, I don't need to be worried about that. And you're like, oh, damn, that's fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, like, the... I, I can answer both of those kind of like pretty shortly. Um, so one thing that I thought I didn't really have to do as much and that I could kind of float through was like just encounters, like not like fighting encounters, but just like dealing with the NPCs and not having. So like, it's really tough to get a lot of context out of that Horde of the Dragon Queen yeah, um, yeah. source book. Oh, right. That, that's so like the really most like reading like stereo instructions. That book is exactly, so bad. Right? And so for me, I felt like, okay, cool. This is what this book is giving me. I should be able to handle this. And then all of a sudden, my players asked, like, this Escobar the Red, who's, like, the keep master of, like, this main keep in the very beginning setting. They just start asking him questions. I'm like, what? So now I either have to tell you to shut up and stop asking me questions because I don't have answers. <laughs> or B, next time, I have to think a lot harder about this. Yeah. And that was, like, the challenge. It's, like, realizing where you think you have to prepare versus where you actually have to prepare. Like, I don't need to prepare for encounters that I roll a D six. I pick off the chart and I go, cool, here you go. You've got eight kobolds to fight and like this acolyte. Right. And then all of a sudden now they have people to fight. Whereas that part's easy. I could have made those up on the rip. I had like seven types of enemies that they were going to deal with in this first chapter. And I could have just made it up. And I, wasted so much time planning for these encounters making sure that i would like balance the battles correctly and stuff when really i should have like thought a little bit harder about the people who live in this world you know i mean i should have done a little bit more research about why these people are being attacked right so that when they ask questions like that i'm not like uh Roll, roll a perception check. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, do it. And I'm like, oh, you catch up. You rolled a four? Wonderful. You catch something happening over there. Look over there. Like, <laughs> and so it's like... Quick squirrel. I I, yeah, exactly. I had to like think on my feet in ways that I didn't expect that I have to. 
Um, so I wish I would have done a little bit more preparation because I think I could have built a more feature-rich world um, for these people for their first experience. Because I feel like a lot of what they did was, okay, cool, you know, now you walk another 30 feet and counter dice up. Here comes six more enemies. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it ended up being just kind of like walking through like little encounters. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, things that I thought were going to be this big deal that really weren't was getting myself prepared to like have to be each of these people. Mm-hmm. Right. And have to think of these voices and have to think of like, who are they, like, what is the tone in which they're going to address these characters? And like, they don't know any different. They're these, they're these people who just kind of want to play a game with some friends and like they thought D and D was fun because they saw Stranger Things or because like they heard someone talk about it or because there was a number of different reasons why people were interested in playing. But like really, like at the end of the day, they were really just interested in hanging out with each other and like being nerdy and like having fun. Yeah. So it's like hour long like, session of shit talking before the game starts. Absolutely. And the thing is, that at the end of the day, like. That's the D and D experience that they were looking for, right? Yeah. They weren't looking for my D and D experience. They weren't looking for like an NPC that had, you know, twelve years of like thought out interactions that, you know, any story can come off the top of their head and all that. They weren't looking for this like, you know, hearing the crackling of a candle and a fire and like all these things. They were just looking to hang out and like do something nerdy that they'd never done before. So I maybe overthought a lot of the aspects that would have been important to me and in that way may have stifled the creativity or the fun that they could have had. And so it's like I we're in a situation now where we're having to pause our campaign because they've taken way too long to get through chapter one of Dragon the Horde of the Dragon Queen. <laughs> so like because like every little thing is like, you know, like a silly conversation or they overcomplicate it. Because they just don't understand the game in that sense, right? They haven't gotten the flow of how to how to go through interactions. And so I was like, all right, guys, here's the deal. You guys are level two. Um, we're about to embark on this next quest, and it's going to take, by what I can imagine, five more sessions to get from here to here, right? And yeah. it's just a walk. So what we're going to do is I'm just, I, I basically had them all level up to five, and I have built a dungeon crawl for them. It's just going to be like this super rad dungeon crawl, because I think that's ultimately they want. They want to they find treasure. Right? Yeah. And they want to fight and beat things up. I think dungeon dungeon crawls for for newer players is a great introduction because yeah, you throw you throw a new player bunch of new players into a dungeon crawl, minimal RP. Let them feel, let them work that RP part out on their own within the dungeon. But it, it for new players, I think it's really about the combat, the mechanics, hack and slash, hack and slash. Let's go. And as they get that going. They'll slowly develop that RP, and then you can introduce that that story that you really got going. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's like for me, RP became such a such an important part of D anD D when I started playing Pathfinder over Discord because I was able. I wasn't at a table with a bunch of people who may or may not be judging me silent in their heads, right? Like mm-hmm. I could be myself without being like. Cause I tried playing in like game stores, and I've tried playing at like groups, you know, like places with other people and stuff like that. And I felt like there was always someone who I didn't know, so I could never let loose in the way I wanted to. But being over like Discord in a dark room. I could say whatever I want. I could do whatever voice I wanted. I could act out. I would say like the things that like my character would feel without feeling insecure, I guess. Um, and, and I think like that's where RP became important for me. And I realized that if I had a campaign that had no RP, it wouldn't be the same game. So I kept trying to like make that for people who had never even played the game before. And I guess I would have rethought that and just been like at the end of the day, 
it is. It's all about having fun. It's all about a cool experience with your friends, being able to share these stories. Oh, dude, remember when we like you did that one thing? We like leaped on the back of that giant and you shoved, you know, your your dagger through its like ear, you know, and like all these things that you can like craft with these people. Yeah. But like you have to know how they're going to play the game, I think, to be a good DM. And that's why it's what you guys have, right? Like you you each have DM for each other in a sense. Like, you know, like you're DMing now and you know, like Ben has DMs for you, and now you're Ben. You're playing in what John's campaign, right? Yeah, and ben, like, Ben's the fear, forever DM. Uh, I'm. I've just with uh, a year ago. DM. <laughs> year ago, I I I took that that plunge. You know, yeah. and got over my own like fuck. Can I do this type thing that you were talking about? And yeah, you know, uh, and Andy Andy runs uh campaign for some. His he still teenagers. Ha- he hasn't he hasn't stepped behind the screen for us yet. Yeah, we have not played in an Andy to it. I think he's I think he's scared of us. No, I'm not. I just might, I'm giving <laughs> John gonna, his time. We're gonna fuck up your campaign. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to plan it first. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think. I'll think, no, oh, go ahead, Andy. Well, I I, I think it's uh, it's interesting to think about. Like you're you're talking about uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen. I think that was where Pim first made his yeah. His debut, and and that's where I bowed off Forgotten Realms for the rest of my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what character was I in that one? You were, I want to say, probably a rogue of some kind. No, elf. you were no. The, no. something. I thought I was like a wizard or something. I forget what you were, but you were that thing that could change shapes. Oh, a changeling? Disguise self or something like that. Oh, oh I was the warlock. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were hexblade. the warlock. You had the hexblade. What year is it? Oh, man. Fucking goddamn. Yeah, man, I was like, dude, Horde of the Dragon Queen, yes, I want to, like, rise Tia, uh, raise Tiamat and have them battle this giant dragon, and, and this is going to be so great. And then, like, reading that book, I was like, throw the book away, this is terrible, I'm just going to make this up yeah. as I go, you know? And then uh, and then all of a sudden, but I had, like, some Forgotten Realms fucking... Uh, Aficionados. Yeah, like, fucking yeah. lore masters in my fucking group, so it was like... What does the brooch look like, and what year is it? Because that affects everything in the timeline. And I'm like, who My fucking dis- cares? Yeah, literally, <laughs> the, the, the year just makes a decision matter. I'm like, yeah. no, it shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't. Not in my world, player. That's right. <laughs> yeah. and, that, and that's exactly fucking what, 2021 is what it is. And that's why I was exactly like, nope, no more Forgotten Realms. You have no idea. <laughs> yeah, like that was the thing. It's like getting into it for me. It's like I always played. I never DM'd. And I, I feel like easily 70%, 75% of my experience was homebrew, right? And like some of it may have taken place in like, like I played one that was in Waterdeep, but like it was a homebrew using like Waterdeep as a setting. But all yeah, like the yeah. things, like there, there were, there were like motor coaches and all kinds of like in rockets and stuff so it was like, like that. So Eberron like, mixed with Waterdeep times three. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, and the thing is, that to me was cool. And I just, I just didn't have the time or the, like, being a new DM, I didn't have the time or the forethought to, like, do, build this whole world, right? Like, I can build them, like, I've drawn maps for people and done things like that. So it's like, I understand, like, placements and I can help people create worlds in that realm. But, like, when it comes to, like, naming worlds and coming up with, like, you don't just think of, here's a tavern and there's a 
an armory down the road and you can go to this blacksmith. You have to like think about like who founded the city. When did they found it? Why did they found it? Is it a mining town? Is it a port town? How does that affect the commerce? Are there, po- and it's just like, man, my brain does not work that way. <laughs> like I can't do that part. So like I was, I wanted to give them the quintessential D and D experience. And what is the D and D experience? It's dragons and it's, you know, fighting, like fighting evil and people trying to raise the dead and all this kind of stuff. And it was, and save know, and save the village block. and yeah. yeah and people it in was peril. Like a it was a hard. It was a very hard first, like, like source book to DM. Yeah, for me with new players, like I should have picked. Some, I should have just gone with like one of those base, like uh, what is it, the uh, Lost Mines of Pendelver, or like one of those basic entry level like starter packs because I think it, it holds hands a little bit better. And I think I just needed my hand held a little bit more. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. And then I, I think the worst thing about Horror of the Dragon Queen is that that adventure path actually came out before the player's handbook was released. Yeah, so none of the none of the encounters yeah, are, it's like are an balanced. Old fourth edition. It was like an old fourth edition like source book, wasn't it? Yeah, I think they, they and they tried to reskin it, but like I said, like all the all the mechanics were were in the beta beta testing phase still when they released the book. So when the player's handbook came out, it actually contradicted a lot of the the Horde of the Dragon uh, Queen and I the Monster I, Manual and stuff seen, like that. That book has the most erratas. Yeah, well, that's why they released the complete version where it was originally two books. So it was Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of the Tiamat, and now it's just Horde of the Dragon Queen as a collector's book. With all with all the erratas in it and stuff like that. For anybody out there that is interested in running Horde of the Dragon Queen, my recommendation, or for any DM that's trying to get it, is is check out Sly Flourish and his articles online at the Lazy DM. Uh, he actually goes through a lot of the source books and breaks them down and says, "Hey, look, you can do this easier. You can forget about this. You just need to pay attention to these things. This is how I would run this stuff." And if nobody's uh, familiar with what he does, The Return of the Lazy, Lazy Dungeon Master is a fantastic book for newer DMs. And I would recommend that over the DMG, actually. Yeah. Just because it just breaks DMing down into the simplest forms. It's, it's, it's Simplicity. phenomenal. Well, I almost, think, I almost think that a lot of people, and maybe Mike, you can agree with this, but you, Mike, have you seen that, the old like animated 1970-something Hobbit? Oh, yeah. Tune? Yeah. Yeah. Well, not only does your art really remind me of that stuff, so power oh, to nice. you. Um, the old Hanna-Barbera? <laughs> well, it's not Hanna-Barbera. It's I Rankin and Bass, sorry. Maybe that's what it is. I think it's Rankin and Bass. Yeah, but anyway, like that's what people want when they go play D&D, and I think a lot of DMs automatically think that they want oh, – sh- <laughs> there's a way (laughs) yes well but but i think a lot of people think that dm or a lot of dms think that people want is like the peter jackson version of the hobbit versus the old cartoon version of the hobbit and i gotta be honest with you like i I want a cartoon not a fucking real real life (laughs) we've talked about that too of like i experience real life all the time the last thing i need is to roll a dice check to see if if I freeze my toe off or something. Did the pelican break underground? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, Mike, if you want to stick around real quick, we're about to do this uh, beer review of this beer that you uh, recommended. We're going to take oh, a- this is this is Mike's recommendation. Yeah, this is Mike. All Mike on the road. Yeah, all right. I, uh, I'm going to give a very early review because we just did some research. Uh, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, I'm a big fan. The minute you said Pacific Northwest and like beer that i could also get up here that's the first thing i thought of well not to mention the, the fact that it's rogue brewing so i mean i don't know why yeah, we that's... haven't done anything by rogue before considering yeah. we're a D podcast that reviews beers yeah Hello. That's a great question someday it's not sunday it's friday 
All right, man. So, you know, talking to you, Mike, has got me a little parched. And even though we've been doing some early recesses, recesses, research. Clearly. <laughs> it feels like recess. It does feel like recess. What's on tap? Have a pint, take a break, and relax. It's my favorite part of the show. So tell me, boys, what's on tap? All right. Uh, so yeah, this is a uh, this is Rogue Bat Squatch. So I thought of this beer for a couple reasons. Um, one, I live in Alaska, so a lot of the cool Alaskan beers that, like, obviously I would want to do don't typically make it down to the lower 48. So I figured, like, we wouldn't be able to drink the same thing. It kind of kills that vibe. It sure um, does. So when you ask, when you kind of ask me, like, you know, what's something that, like, we could all drink, um, that you, that you like, um, I, I chose this. Like, Rogue is my favorite brewery. Um, it, I, like, everything they make, I really like. Uh, their can art is just insane. And me being kind of like an illustrator in a sense, like, I really, I enjoy that. I enjoy like the thought and like the dude who does their art. I can't remember his name, um, but he's got an Instagram and his art is just awesome. Um, but more honestly, it's just a killer beer. And for the weather that I'm having up here in Alaska, there's nothing I'd rather drink right now. Um, it's a hazy IPA. Um, it's, I was, I don't know what the IB or what the, uh, and we got uh, 54 IBUs. We got 6.7% oh, yeah, yeah. volume. Yeah. Alcohol. So it's like, it's, it's one of those like IPAs, like because some IPAs they do this IBU fight where they're trying to push past the hundred mark, right? Yeah. And they're trying to really get that like that bitterness. Um, and they also a lot of them hit that imperial range where they're above seven two, mm-hmm. and it's like th- this is the perfect that I can split a six pack with someone and like go out to the lake or go sit on a deck somewhere and have a great time, feel good. Um, there it's it's a hazy IPA, so it's got that really tropical vibe to it. It's got that real juicy kind of mouth, um, that mouth feel in a way. Um, and I just absolutely love Mosaic Hops, and it uses Mosaic, El Dorado, and Belma uh, in the recipe. Um, I've never had Belma before. I've had a bunch of beers with El Dorado, but Mosaic Hops always have that really nice, bright kind of citrusy and almost piney note to them. Yeah, um, and I'm a huge fan. Yeah, this is this is great, man. It actually gives you like dish recommendations. I know, I, know, I love Rogue, dude. They're such a <laughs> like cool it's brewery. white cheddar, white cheddar grilled salmon strawberry shortcake. Man, that's a fucking three course meal right there. I think I have a I've bottle of their tried gin. Fat squash with strawberry shortcake before, and I'm, I ten out of ten can recommend. Okay, really? I, well, you know the funny thing is, like while I was drinking the first one, I I had a a rock star sugar free energy drink and it actually paired well with that too i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing we should text rogue we should let them know to add that to the can yeah put that on the can because the last thing i want you to do is is have your consumers uh combine uppers and downers at the same time really (laughs) really really random here just poured it into a glass and i I, kind of do the uh mechanical field that's my job deal with a lot of uh you know oil fresh oil i've always thought looked really good Cause it's like a golden. <laughs> it reminds me of oil. beer. It reminds me of beer when you're pouring a fresh thing of oil, and I, and I'm doing like you know 25 gallons when I'm when I'm doing an oil change on something at work. And Needless to say, he's thirsty. <laughs> I just poured this, and I was like, it's even got the iridescent like outer glow that oil has when I pour a it fresh does. thing of it's- oil. This is amazing. Yeah, it's, it's really a good. Biscuit beer, like that's what I love about the hazy unfiltered. But once I pour it, though, then it looks like oil got a whole bunch of water in it, and it turned yeah. cloudy. Yeah, but it tastes yeah, better it, than the oil will, so. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I've never tasted oil. Well, I mean. That's surprising to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got RoboCops sitting at our table. What the fuck? Yeah. 
<laughs> it's, it's funny in old beer commercials they actually used to use oil to pour so it looked better on camera yeah i have heard oh, yeah. that pouring oil like when i do it at work all the time and it it does it looks fucking delicious really <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah but this, i do or, i mean they do have people that have like those olive oil diets so you, you you might be right up there for one of those maybe yeah i don't know about that i'm talking like straight <laughs> oh, yeah, up like know, fucking friend. 80 90 fucking gear oil <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it's just stink. <laughs> you know it's, it's like a horrible that. smell you should build that into a tavern. You should have like a tavern called like the Kinky Gear or something like the that. Kinky whatever, gear. like you know, if I ever brewed like, a beer, it'd be called eighty ninety. The funny, oh, that'd be awesome. The funny thing is, have, is, we should all have our campaigns include a tavern called the Kinky Beer, the Kinky Gear now. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And the thing is, is you could have it like run by like some Warforged or something like that. And then yeah. when you ask for something, he's like, "What do you have on tap?" He's like, "Well, I've got a W twenty, and he could be like a little dwarf, fucking cast kind of like." <laughs> That Scottish dwarf, very, very stereotypical, you know, barkeep in D&D world, and just be like, oh, what are you having? I've got OW20 and 530. (laughs) You know, the funny thing would be if it was a Warforge that had, like, an interchangeable theme or something like that. So every time you came in, it was a a different theme of the week, and his his accent, accent, yeah, going with the oil change, his accent changed accordingly. Rastafarian night. (laughs) Amon. Welcome to the kinky gear. <laughs> Everything <laughs> gonna be iry. Yeah, no, that's uh, that that that's funny. It, kinky gear gotta happen. Yeah, did we did. Did we just homebrew? <laughs> I think I think we did. We just made the ball. Are, Wait, are we did, about to are, run are, into are that? we talking? Is homebrew? Is that a beer pun? Well, I mean, <laughs> well, kinda. I mean, like it kind of goes with everything that God. we do here. <laughs> Every, everything that, can that be made into it. Circled 360 on everything yeah. we just are Every, talking. Everything that we do could be a dad joke or a, or a bad pun. Oh yeah, oh yeah, dude. I my so <laughs> puns and dad jokes are probably my favorite, and I'm never good at like coming up with them, but I'm good at finding them and like calling them out when people say them. But like the D and D dad jokes is like hands down one of my favorite hashtags to follow on any social media because it's just too good. What th- that's oh. a thing. Oh my god, oh, yeah. you don't know about this? Yeah, I don't know about that <laughs> D&D dad jokes. Well, there's Yeah, I'm pretty sure subreddit as well, but then there's also like a uh D&D like dads, of, right? Well, there's like a bunch of D&D like yeah, hold on, I'm going to try and find it real quick. I think it's a real time pod or a real D- play podcast. Yeah, is D&D it? dads. But it's funny. So. It's funny. Oh, you've listened to it? Yeah. I thought I thought it was a uh podcast that they play on. I'm I'm not really into the podcast or they play. I like the podcast talking about shit. There's not very like many of like those. There isn't. There's not very many. Most of the podcast D and D podcasts I listen to are, are real people play. playing, and I'm like, you know, that's cool. But I'm not. I already got. I got. I listen to Dimension Twenty and Critical Role, and I read and I read a book, and I play in two campaigns. Like I got too many stories in my fucking head. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of like canon to keep up with. Yeah. And then it all starts to blend together, and you're like, oh, yeah. oh no, my pea brain is overwhelmed. Oh, and that's it's not definitely... even included if I decide to watch a TV show or something. I just I just don't do I that. I pretty much don't. <laughs> I, my, Maybe it's a subreddit. My fiance is always like, what do you want to watch, babe? And I'm like, I don't really care. I don't, I'm not interested. I was like, can I watch YouTube? Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah exactly. Dude, YouTube. YouTube is like, uh, uh, it's always like ticking 20 or... Uh, 
the Storycraft Society now or uh, oh, yeah. Bob the Bard the Builder? No, Bob, Bob the World Bob builder. the World Builder. Yeah. That guy's pretty good oh, too. I that guy will I, put me to I was sleep. Literally He's, uh, about to well, sing the, Bob the Builder. That's pretty much what it is, though. <laughs> yeah. No, or, I, or Sly Flourish, Sly Flourish uh, YouTube. Like I said, that guy, that guy blows my mind with how. My how favorite easy he is YouTube fucking. right now is anything that Simon Whistler does, whether that's Mega Projects, Top Tens Net. I don't know why I just get sucked into that. It's like, do you want to learn about the SR seventy one? Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> what about this insanely stuff. huge tank that the Russians built? Why? Yes, I will stay up another teach twenty me. minutes. Well, teach me. <laughs> Hold on, and then on top of that, what do you mean it's only a fifteen minute episode? Yes, I have time for that. <laughs> and then you're three deep, and you're like, ah. the ones that get me. The ones that get me. It's like it's you know it's a 10, 15 minute episode or a, a video. And you're like, oh yeah. But then they cut the end off, and they're like, finish watching this at blah, 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 dot com. And I'm like, oh, you son of a bitch, you got me. Yeah, he doesn't do that. (laughs) I want to know the end. I was going to say, that's like hard clickbait, where they like get you into the first like 15 minutes of something, and they're like, find the the stunning conclusion at this. And you're like, ow! I I, want to throw my computer. Yeah, Yeah, it's like, if I could not afford another phone, I'd smash this one right now. (laughs) Absolutely. But you know what, though? This beer, like, straight up, straight up, like, what you said, uh, this is something you could bring camping or or to an event and just drink with some... It's a good summertime drink, for sure. It is. It it, it reminds me of summer. Early, early uh, review. Premature review. Premature review, four. He hasn't even. Well, you finished one, so yeah, I, guess, I already finished. I guess one. it's it's a little bit more experienced than premature. Yeah, I, the thing I was mad surprised about with Bat Squatch too is like it's one of those beers. Like I've taken out like like again like I've taken out up. Uh, we've got this place called Poker Lake. Um, that's basically like up in the in a mountain crevice. So it's like this lake that is at elevation, right? And so we'll like drive like four wheelers up there and hang out and just do whatever. Um, and like so, Bat Squatch. I brought that with a buddy of mine. So this was a six pack I brought, and he bought brought another six pack. And like I was astonished at how it still tasted. It was still very drinkable and had like it opened up in flavor more. Like the warmer it got, yeah. and like that's normally not Ooh, something you want. Andy's with beer. Thing. Yeah, watch out. Yeah, I'm always talking about like beer tastes better when it's warmer if it's good beer. Some beer does. So like, like if it's beer, good, <laughs> the life you yeah. live up there sounds like the life I would love. I I am like talking four wheelers and lakes up in the mountains and. The cool thing is, if you ever want to live this life just for a little bit, it's very easy to come be like a seasonal employee in this type of environment, right? Because again, like I mentioned, it's four months out of the year. Nobody that works here lives in this area. They all come from everywhere else in the country. So like I hire people from literally all over the lower 48, all over Thailand, the Balkan Peninsula, all kinds of stuff. And they just come up here and live for a little bit and work in like a restaurant or a hotel or is like a raft guide operator or whatever job you can find that someone needs you to do up here. You could come do it for four months just to do it. And you get paid. Most of the time you get employee housing that's like cheap as all hell or depending on your experience, you can even get like it included for with some companies. And so it's like, it's that's kind of why I came up here. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, cool. I'm from North Carolina. Like North Carolina is beautiful shit. and all, but yeah, like, you, you moved quite a ways. Yeah, yeah. Like, I grew like, here. Washington, like, Alaska. You drove there? Yeah, it's so awesome. I got to drive through Canada. I got to like literally be in a part of the world where I would step out of my vehicle and I could stand there for an hour, and not hear a sound, and not see a car. And that was probably 
How long was that trip, man? The Yukon? Uh, from North Carolina, it was like eight days. Like, I took my time. I, I've made it in seven. I could have made it in six. But I'm very much like an explore, like exploration person, right? Yeah. And I like, you mean you played I like being out on the road. <laughs> and so it's like the, the idea of like driving 16 hours when I could drive like eight and then like check a bunch of stuff out felt a lot better. Oh, and yeah. also, or drive like two safe. hour intervals and then stop along every, every interesting roadside along yeah, the way. North, North Carolina to Alaska. That's a huge difference. Washington to Alaska. Not not that big of a difference, I don't think. Yeah, you just have to drive through the Canada part at that yeah. point. Well, like, I'm just talking like a uh, uh, scenic lifestyle, uh, scenic atmosphere. Like we're we're wet. Yeah, you but know, the nice thing about we're us not as cold as Alaska, but we're wet. No cold matter here. what time of year yeah. it is, you have the sun and the the moon. Oh yeah, every yeah. day. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> are you are you stuck in that perpetual daytime right now? Uh, I'm getting there. So basically, the way it works is like. You've got your summer and winter solstice, right? So the summer solstice is June 20th to June 21st. Yeah. Uh, the winter solstice is that in December. Uh, so from the winter solstice to the summer solstice, you gain seven minutes of daylight a day. Holy crap. Right? That's so cooking. up in like other and like up in really north Alaska, like up, uh, I can't remember how to pronounce it. It used to be called Barrow. It's now like been reverted to its native Alaskan name, which is like Upukatik or something like that. Okay. Um, it's, and I butchered it. So please, like, nobody be offended. But um, Barrow is actually the town that 30 Days of Night, that rad vampire oh, movie, uh, okay. takes place in. And that is the place where you actually get like legitimately like no sunrise, right? So here in the Denali area, so I live just outside. My summer cabin is in like right across the street from Denali National Park in a place called Glitter Gulch, right? Uh, which is basically just like the tourism hub. I live right behind a liquor store called Sled Dogs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, so dope. Cool. <laughs> yeah. What and the so, fuck like, just happened? Fuck, you just, I want to give up my whole life. Yeah, for you this. just described the starting town of an adventure. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, basically. From Glitter Gulch to Sled <laughs> it, it, feels, it feels very much like some a bunch of like 10 year olds are going to come try and shoot me on Fortnite, though. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> are they going to floss over you, too? <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna be so annoyed. They're gonna all they're all gonna Carlton and then I'm gonna like they're gonna get sued. But like um that game was actually made in my hometown, uh Fortnite. Oh really? But yeah, it's uh, Epic Games is in, in North Carolina. But um but yes, anyways, like I we come up here and we like our summer cabin is here, but the town of Healy is like a hundred or a thousand people year round. You know what I mean? There's like a big coal mine here and that's about it. And so it's like, it's just pretty interesting. So as it, we get towards the summer and it starts getting lighter out in June 20th, we get like 22 and a half hours of daylight. And even for most of the summer, like even if like, even though the sun goes down, night is basically dusk or twilight and wow. you get these rad, rad, like three hour sunsets. It's the reverse of, it. of Icewind Dale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then during the winter, obviously once the summer solstice happens, I don't know if we lose seven minutes of daylight or what, like it does, but it feels like it goes away faster than it comes. And yeah, like winter's like, so I spent my first full winter up here this winter and they're tough because i mean it gets it gets like negative 35 like not with wind chill in this part of alaska and it stays that way and it doesn't snow a lot it snows a bunch like basically all of october and the beginning of november and then it just stays with snow on the ground because you have no light or heat to melt it and it's just crazy so it's It's just it's just that crunchy snow all the time it's not even like powder yeah but it's super fun for snow machines and it will snow like basically the way it works here is like it gets to 32 degrees and dumps snow until it drops to negative you know and then it gets back up to 30 and dumps snow because it's like oh it's warm we can be moisture again 
kills you with snow so you get these like little packs of like fresh powder but it's rad to like rip around on snow machines and you know go hang out where you don't have to you can be out in the middle of the wilderness not have to worry about bears which is great john's having you know, a wet like, dream right now yeah. <laughs> we might have lost him actually. Uh, I, i'm just imagining off into the distance like my thing i have to, to get to get this i have to go up into mount rainier and and like when i'm there i'm like i i fucking i love the cold I love the cold. Yeah. You love the cold because you can leave the cold. But what would you? No, I love. Would the- you like it if you got you had to stay there for what did you say? You get four months of summer. Well, he has to piss every yeah, so twenty like, minutes. It's, it's so October, he his name October to April, basically. October to mm. April is your winter, and so it's like you get normal winter in October, normal winter in April. You know, but Did, like you guys get a whole bunch of like does it does it rain a lot up there? Like it does oh, down all, here during the summer. It's like so during the summer. It's like I haven't, I've seen rain once since like the win- the winter broke, but that's pretty typical during like the thick of summer. Once you hit like the end of April or end of May, all the way through, I guess like the middle of like October, you get like that fifty fifty rain. But at the same time, it could be torrential downpour when you wake up in the morning, and by the time you've brushed your teeth, it could be the most beautiful day in the world. And by evening, it could snow. That's like Washington. Just, like, that's that's exactly so, what Washington is. It's like yeah, there's, there's only more- in Washington. If you don't like the weather, wait fifteen minutes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, sometimes it's not even I fifteen minutes. Yeah. I just, I, Seattle is too big of a city for me. Oh. And I, the, the times I came to to Washington, like I got so stuck in downtown Seattle that I was just like ah, stepping over people and like trying to not bump into a million I people, can't. and it was like I I, I I'm sitting there, here daydreaming so about it. where you live, Seattle. I, I I'm from Washington. I'm yeah. born and raised here. I don't want to step foot in Seattle. I don't even yeah, like going into again. King County, the county that that's in. I nope. Keep me away from there. Yeah, I, me and I my work fiance. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I I drive I drive from North Seattle to South Tacoma on Fridays to come do this with these knuckleheads, and it's yeah. It's usually, yeah, we're usually waiting on him, but we were waiting on John today. Yeah, yeah I it, got local traffic <laughs> today. It was crazy. Yeah, so I heard there was a semi overturn with like like uh, uh, huge amounts of fish and milk. Yeah, I heard there's three semis overturned. On what kind of fish? I'd like to hear about this. Well, I don't it, know, but I heard it took a while to clean up. Though, could you imagine that smell? Oh, good lord! I know. I should. Yeah, what kind of fish? I should have went out and got some. Yeah. <laughs> they, all of a sudden, they start making seafood chowder on the highway. Like, <laughs> I mean, putting it into bowls. Fish prices just went up. Yeah. <laughs> break, break your teeth on a rock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a glass. Oh yeah, I really love. The gravel is a great touch. <laughs> is this a, a little bit of a grit? Is this a garnish? What am I supposed okay. to do with that? Oh, just put that onto the side, Grandma. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why has it got a yellow stripe on it? <laughs> I thought you said it had parsley. No, I said there's gravel sparsely. <laughs> Turn up your hearing aid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a uh, man. That's yeah. Gosh, this, this is, is actually I. I I know we're always talking about sweet ass. Uh, is this your new sweet ass? This is this edged it out for me. Yeah, yeah I I think we're ready to give it. A, so so Mike, go ahead and lead us off. Like, what would you give this? What would you rate this beer? What's out my of, scale? Out of four. Out of four? Yeah. Oh man. So like, I I this is a hard four for me. Uh, it hits on so like the way I kind of think about beer, uh, is drinkability obviously is number one. Um, how it like ruins your palate like so i don't usually drink ipas i'm not like i I appreciate them i don't drink them um because by the second one you know you're drinking like a 400 or 380 calorie beer 
but it doesn't taste the same as the first one because the like the hops in that offensive IBU kind of like kill your palate. They kill those sensors on your tongue, right? Mm-hmm. And so I still taste it the same way I did as the, I tasted the first one, right? Yeah. And because I was also doing some pre-search, but. Um, <laughs> Pre-search. I like that. That's the new one. Pre-search. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Um, yeah, like, I like it. it. It drinks well. It doesn't, it's not too thick, It, but it's also not so crushable that I'm going to like drink six of them before I realize it. You know what I mean? It yeah. ain't a Bud Light. So it's a great drinkability for me. It's well balanced. The flavor is awesome. It's a perfect summer beer. It's tropical. It's citrus. And it still has, for me, like it kind of has those pine notes, which remind me of the trees that are all around me and kind of just like lock me into the atmosphere. And then it's just like, it looks good in the can. It looks good because the can the looks good can in the D&D. glass. It looks good. Yeah. Right. Can is so well, not only that is like this, this, this bat squatch, like he's a real man. Like he's got rolls on his stomach. This dude is real. Well, yeah, he's, got no, dad like, going yeah, he's got the dad bod going on. You can definitely uh, tell that this motherfucker. That was the other thing. Like the thing I loved about bat squatch is it's like a, it's like an Oregon thing, but like it gets kind of lumped in with Sasquatch in the Pacific Northwest and everything. And I'm like one of those weird dorks that knows that that shit's not really real, but still hard wants it to be. Yeah. And like yeah. every time they come out with like the shows that are like out today, we're going to find the elusive Sasquatch. It's, it's, and they like, like have this like hunting crew of like ragtag rednecks to go hoot and holler through the fucking woods. It's like ancient like, aliens for me. It's like, oh my god, I love man, it. Man, I I know you're you're fucking you're stretching so far when you're like, oh, you know, the Colosseum in Rome was built by aliens, fucking Anu Anunnaki or whatever. I'm like, yeah, fuck off, but I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. But I'll, I'll hear you out, crazy man. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just really want you to say it's aliens. Yeah, <laughs> and they no, do. For me to- Back to the back to the point. Like I, I like this beer for like just a lot of reasons. It's it's a fun beer. It's fun to talk about. It drinks well. It tastes great, and it's the perfect beer to like ring in the summer for me. Um, and I picked it because it was like kind of close to you guys' area. Um, oh yeah, you yeah. Know, so Mount St. Helens is right in our backyard. From like the Pacific Northwest to the far Northwest. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like what you were saying. Uh, for uh, I'm I'm not a huge fan of hazes actually. I'm. Most of the hazes that I've tried are too citrusy for me. And I'm like, yeah. that's fucking, that's, I don't, it doesn't mix well. And then some IPAs, like you said, are intensely, the IBUs are, yeah, are, like, are way high and they're bitter as fuck. This one is it, like a dick measuring contest. Or, it is. or <laughs> yeah, or, or you got one that's like, uh, you know, a, a beer that's like, oh yeah, we beer. We made this. It's eight percent alcohol, and like, oh, I fucking have one, and all of a sudden, I'm fucking comatose. Whoa, shit! <laughs> yeah, like one and done. You're like, oh man, this, this one is, is a terrible like, idea to have two. Yeah, if, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> if I can say this, something is balanced for an I, IPA. This, I think this is very. very hold on, balanced. hold on, wait a second. Did John? Just talk about a beer in a professional way. He did. did. There was I, you did. How many one, Bud Lights is this for you, John? No, this one is not on my Bud Light scale. <laughs> this one is uh, lifted far, far above my Bud Light scale. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like this one. Wow. Okay, it's so good. John, obviously you're you're yep, licking bad squatch bowl. Yep. <laughs> Spread it. <laughs> Family show? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're family rated R. <laughs> uh, so, John, what do you give? You just made it the fucking family show. Exactly. Yeah, it's the fucking family show. Uh, four for me. Four. Four. Surplanted sweet as Andy. 
You've had two of these. I have had two of these. And I felt like you fell in love with Mike as he talked about the damn fucking beer, too. <laughs> well, I did fall in love with you, Mike, because you actually know what you're talking about. Like, I know. When Mike's talking used to about dealing with, use, I, was like, I was like, oh, Andy. Oh, shit. Andy, <laughs> Andy's on the radio. Right? I nope, do. Nope, that's Mike. <laughs> I do homebrew. And I oh, did nice. I did a thousand beers in a year, two or three years. And uh, I think that needs to a become year. a drinking game. Yeah, that probably needs too. to be a drinking game as well. Um, so I have to deal with this knucklehead over here. 999 beers on the wall. Yeah, yep. yep, pretty much. Um, so I, I think it's a good beer. I'm not a big IPA fan like you. Um, I this is this is gonna sound maybe insulting. You give it a fucking two. I'm reaching over this table and punch. But I would actually give this one either a two and a half or a three. Uh, we don't do halves. Okay, I'd no. give it a three then. Yeah, you're which safe is from a punch. Which then. is, <laughs> as these guys know. Very, very high as far as IPAs go. IPAs yeah, he yeah. hates IPAs. Um, and, I, and I love what you said about the IBUs being a dick measuring contest. It's like, cool, you just took some water and soaked a bunch of hops in it. Yeah. It's, trying to tell me we it's We went a beer. hopped and then dry hopped and then double dry hopped. And now we're going to we're gonna make sure it's sellers to barrel age it. And you're like, why? Why would you do that? <laughs> and now we're <laughs> hop humping. <laughs> yeah. Just make it taste good, man. <laughs> just make a Dunkel or a Hellas and leave it alone. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you want to know what I just thought of? Uh, the oh, shit. IPA. Random ZZ Top comment. <laughs> the IPA uh, dick measuring contest is all the creators of Pathfinder. Like, ooh, yes. I got this. It's perfect. Ooh, I got this. Ooh, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, calm down. And then here comes 5e. You're like, keep it simple, bro. <laughs> like, there's, there's like a Jim Beam commercial that makes me laugh super hard. And I don't know if you guys have seen it. Like, Jim Beam is obviously like whatever, like accessible whiskey. And that's about it. But like, that's definitely about it. <laughs> where this dude walks into a bar and he's like, and the bartender's like, what are you having? And he like, looks around and there's these two dudes with like beanies and goatees and they're like oh have this like hydrogenated nitro goat's milk ipa and then this other guy's like you want to drink an irish stout and then this other guy's like oh why don't you try this you know whatever german beer and then he's like and like the bartender looks at him and is like want to have a beam and ginger and like my reaction would slap that beam and ginger out of her hand and be like no but like <laughs> to me the the like the commercial was funny because it is, it's like, that is what the beer industry has become. It has become marketing, which is cool yeah. Right? because you have cans like bat squatch and you have beers like Oscar blues who do like Dale's pale ale, which is like, again, I hate IPAs, but Dale's pale ale is a go-to beer for me because it does a job. Yeah. Right. Have you had if, 10 fitty yet or old Chubb? No, wait, 10 fitty or tent city. Ten, no, 10. <laughs> <laughs> we, Ten cities just fucking a can of piss. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that is. Hold on, hold no. on. Ten city, bitch. Ten, ten city. No, hold bitch. on. <laughs> no, ten, you just said Oscar Blues, Dale's Pale. Uh, yeah. The the uh, they're they're stout. Ten fifty, real no, good. No, I haven't. If you want to talk about motor oil, let me tell oh. you, that's used like motor oil. And then Old Chub is their like Scotch ale. Absolutely. And that is like a beer that you can you can buy a six pack of and you can drink a six pack of it, but you one hundred percent should not do that. Like, <laughs> that beer that beer sneaks up on you so fast. Yeah. I split a six pack with a friend one night. We were like, Oh dude, we're gonna fucking hang out, we're gonna go to some shows tonight, we're gonna go see these two bands play, we're it's gonna, 10, 30, we're gonna have a like, I need a nap. 
we did like two of these old chubs and we're like road bearing one in the Uber. And by the time I got to the show, I was like falling asleep on a bleacher, like in front of the speaker. <laughs> and I'm just like, what has happened to me? This beer is terrible, but it's my favorite. It's like so good. It is. Like, it is. But that's the thing. It's like, I prefer like traditional European style beers, right? Same. Like German beers are my favorite. You Amen. know, um, I Mike, like, calm down. You're making Andy day. hard. <laughs> But it is. It's did like, you guys just become is. best friends? <laughs> I think we did. There's actually. so much room for activities. Absolutely. Let's do it. Best friend. Yeah. No, I'm just like, saying, like, woo! if you, if, Mike, if and I'm, if you haven't had a chance to go to the original Oktoberfest in Munich, you I'm need not. to. Like, spend all your money and <laughs> go do it. Spend all of your money. <laughs> go into debt. Get there. I promise you, you will not regret it. Oh, I'm sure I will. It's debt. on my bucket list. Like, as soon as, so basically, like, the best part of doing what I do is, like, I work really, really, really hard. Like I've talked to you guys kind of like uh, just like in Instagram and stuff and being like, oh, man, my season is ramping up. I work super hard from like basically Monday yeah. until October 1st. Okay. And I'm constantly busy and I have no time for anything but work. And I love it because October 1st until two weeks ago, I don't have to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like just I checking can, on some random sewer pipes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, exactly. Right. And it's like, it's that, that's kind of the cool thing about this, this industry, right. The like seasonal hospitality industry. It's like a lot of people go wherever and do stuff, but that's kind of, it, you know, they'll go like to somewhere else for the winter. Like a lot of people go to Colorado for the winter because the ski season there is huge or they'll go to Tahoe, um, you know, and then they'll come back here for the summers. But a lot of other people just travel. And so I haven't done the traveling part of my job yet. Like I've basically come up here and found a way to make myself useful year round. Uh, which is awesome because it's living in Alaska year round was always something I wanted to experience. Like, I feel like even though I never want to live in negative 30, like knowing that I have is kind of awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, but that's the thing. It's like, so we have like my fiance and I have like these bucket list plans that we're going to try and execute over the winters and going to Oktoberfest in Germany is absolutely one of them. Like my lineage comes from Luxembourg okay. um, in Italy. And so, like, going over to that part, like, my mom went to Oktoberfest and was like, ha, 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 I'm at Oktoberfest. And I'm like, Mom, you drink Bud Light. What are you even doing there? Like, and Wait, like, John drinks Bud Light, too. <laughs> yeah, but my mom's the only no, person I, I ever know to actually get drunk off Not of anymore. Yeah. I well, think the here's last the thing. Bud Light I is, was with you. Is, have you ever been to like Vegas? 15 years ago. Yeah, I lived in Vegas for six months and uh, then never will do that again. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I actually went there one time for five days for five years. <laughs> I went to I went I I went there to have fun for five days one time and on the fifth day five days is too much. Way too much. Too much. Three days. Three but days I'm gonna tell you, Oktoberfest is you 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 need to go. And unfortunately it sounds like October first is when like that's pretty much when Oktoberfest is over, which is weird because it starts in September. But yeah, it, traditionally, I thought it was. It used to be in August, right? Because I think like, so, because of like because harvest or something. Yeah, well, because like they they changed the months, right? Like yep. October is like eight, right? And yep. they added in months that didn't mean anything. But yep. I, I think I think traditionally it was like August was when it started. We actually do a thing up here at one of the breweries in seasonally in Denali called Oktoberfest in August because we're not open in October, which oh. is super rad. Yeah, and actually, I'd the brewery be- that uh, I I worked with had like a they won, I can't remember what festival, the big world beer festival in Germany, their smoked Mars and won gold medal. 
Oh, geez. And what was the, is that the 49th or something like that? Yeah, 49th state. Uh, okay. They're, they're up here. They're only in Alaska. I, I would have recommended, obviously, one of their beers because uh, it would have been cool to talk about, but um, they can't, they don't ship outside of the, outside of Alaska at the moment because Alaska's got a lot of really strict, like, craft beer laws as oh, far yeah. as, like, you know, you have to produce X amount at X amount of scale to be able to ship them out of the state and so forth and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that Squatch, I don't know, man. It, I'm going to give it a three. I like it. Drinkability's high. Can art's amazing. Mike's our first guest. You know, highly recommended by him. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, three. I'm going to give it a three. So that's a split. Yeah, well, I mean, Ty goes to the guest, so he gave it a four. So we'll just we'll just throw it. We'll throw it to Gothar. Well, you you put it you put it like two. That's a hard. That's a hard three and a half, though. I guess you guys don't do like half rules, but like that's if you guys went three. No, no. Let, right? Let's 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 clarify. Well, ben doesn't do halves. No, we we can't do halves. <laughs> How are you gonna do halves? Are you gonna no. do half a saying? Like record yeah. half of the damn <laughs> Gothar. Say half so, of this and half of that. And, Andy, you're you're honest. I can feel it. Was it two? No, my honest no, was, was a three. A I would actually, just so that we're clear, I, I would buy this. My favorite IPA before this was probably the 120-minute IPA from Dogfish Head. Dogfish Head? Yeah, that's that is, that's a good one. It's it That is a, a chewy IPA. It's chewy, but it, like... It, what the fuck is chewy? It's thick. It's thick. <laughs> Dude, these guys are soulmates. Good God. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's got that... You talk the same language? We thought Andrew was all by himself over here. No, 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 no. There's a whole group of us who actually think about beer, not Chewy. just drink it. Um, yeah, no, it's <laughs> got like fuck was it think super about coffee. It? Just drink this shit. Yeah, well, exactly. But it's fun to think about too. But I think this one might actually surplant it. So that's why I gave it a three. Is because I yeah, was like thinking I said, like. I'd... So you three, you three. I'm a four. four and a four. Mike's a four. We'll just go. Mike's a guest of honor, so we'll just yeah. go with the four. Throw He's a four. Tiebreaker. Yep. Mike, you won. Congratulations, yes. you won at D and D. Rolled a critical hit. Woo! <laughs> Nat twenty. And and, oh, no, and I think you proved it too. Here, I tell, tell you what. I've got these new. I've got these new dice. Hold on, save them. <laughs> save them. Are you sticking around for the topic? Or are you gonna yeah, go? Why not? All right. So save them. Hold on. Save them because we got to roll for initiative on the topic too. Oh, there you so, go. Gothar, we're going to give it a four out of four. What say you? Rudy Tudy Fresh Ale Groovy. Looking to populate your tabletop with outstanding fantasy miniatures? Then look no further. Sneak Attack Prince has a range that will satisfy all your fantasy tabletop needs. From heroes to monstrous foes, these highly detailed miniatures will leave your players in awe when you put them on the table during your next game. So grab yours today and learn on your tabletop. www.etsy.com slash shop slash SNK Attack Prince. And tell them of Dyson Brew sent you. So let's, uh, Let's get this party started and let's uh, roll initiative. Mike, as our guest of honor, do you want to, you got a D20 handy, brother? I do. I've got my brand new custom, like, resin cast D20 from Harkins Dice. Let's go, man. Nice yeah. plug right. right there. Roll roll it up. No no proficiency bonus. Uh, I got 11. 11. Okay. All right. Here I go. One, one. The most symmetrical thing you can roll. It is, actually. Ooh, I got a John roll, an eight. <laughs> No, for some reason, I roll good on this, and I don't like it. Oh, I also got an 11, Mike. Ooh, who's got the higher dexterity know. bonus? <laughs> Come on, don't roll five. Oh! Natural 20! See? Oh, nice. I roll first all the time, and I suck at that. <laughs> John goes oh, first. Oh, gosh. Okay. I swear. I swear. It's not. I don't roll good. 
I just have bad luck. <laughs> you just roll exceptional. I don't roll See, good. Yeah, I roll sure. damn good. See, we're talking about we're talking about uh, Andy's topic, and 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 now I have to start it off. Oh yeah. Hey, aren't you a DM? You're supposed to be able to improv. Yeah, come on. Yeah, trying to. What the fuck's your problem? I'm only a year into this, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and how many Get years? You obligatory Irish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the kinky gear. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. You know, with we were talking about the D and D community earlier, and. Uh, just how open and accepting it is, and, yeah. And I, th- I think that kind of leads uh, heavy into into our our discussion of third third party topics or or content that when there's so many like we're we're doing a podcast right now and we we're talking about the 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 self promos and there's so many D and D podcasts via live game. There's a few, a few that we like us that uh, just kind of ramble about shit. But it, it's it, it's so diverse uh, of a community that you have you have crafters, knitting, resin, you know, crochet, sticker printing, banner making, logo making. I, it, it's huge. Yeah, the amount. Of third-party content that de- just a simple fucking dice game has created is is absolutely mind-boggling. I think to piggyback on that 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 thought is the fact that a game of imagination where you primarily use your imagination has opened up a a monetary world to these creators or or crafters or entrepreneurs that can they can capitalize on other people's imaginations and their own. They can take these ideas or these situations formulated in a theater of the mind game and make them real life for people and make them like visceral things. Yeah. It, it, I, it, I guess, you know, it, what D and D does for the player and the DM and in inspiring, uh, creation, uh, player creation, uh, situational creation, it also inspires creation. Uh, yeah. But it also inspires, like our uh, like our guest Mike to like oh man I I've, I I see all these these stickers out there but they're they're not what's in my head yeah so you're gonna go out and step out and make those stickers it's a, a it game of, of creation that helps create well I think one of the things one of my um, I think it was actually like my seventh grade social studies teacher or something like that if that even matters but he always used social to say, studies even around anymore. I don't think it is. I think we're I don't still, think they can call it that anymore. No, I don't civics? think they can. Yeah, it's, well, no, no, like, civics like is what it was before social studies. Yeah, but yeah, he, social studies is like that, that just general umbrella for history and economics. Yeah, and, you know, but well, he, like, so, it, social, it was social studies are podcast now. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what he was used to say is, is that. So, the, social the, studies is. Did you keep up on watching the Kardashians? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah, because we used to we used That's to just so like synopsis. we used to just read like articles and think about like what that actually made meant in the world. But anyway, he always had this saying, and he was a Vietnam vet. Um, if that comes into play, and he was a doctor of psychology and all this stuff. But he he always used to say that the. The human species could literally accomplish anything if they stopped caring about who got credit for what. And I thought that was so cool. And I've kind of like based a lot of my life on that. And 
And what kind of brings me together on this, uh, this topic, I guess, is, is the fact that that's kind of what Watsy and before them, TSR and before them, you know, Gary Gygax and yeah, Chainmail and all that stuff. That's kind of what they did is it was like, hey, this is this really cool idea. Let's go have fun with it. Oh, you want to do this part? Okay, great. That's awesome. And like the fact that, that, that Watsy has, you know, licensed content with like, we'll say WizKids or whoever Reaper. else they, Reaper, whoever else they have, right? But yet, they still don't like come down on anybody for having something that they don't push one over the other. Don't. They don't, but they, they don't come down on like a artisan guild or a cast and play or a who knows what else, you know? Yes. Yeah, even if you have a, a beholder that looks like a beholder and you call it an eye tyrant or something else, they're yeah. not like, Oh, you're well, IP infringement. Yeah. They're just well, like, I mean, oh, okay. if, if, you want, if you want to talk about big names too, I mean, to show critical role is fucking massive it's the number one funded kickstarter in the entire world ever. yeah yeah they're using that content they're using D beyond that isn't watsy yeah which is weird too they're right? playing yeah. a watsy game but not promoting watsy at all but at the same time but they are at the exact got, same time yeah they've got content they, they, they've taken like their, like Matt Mercer's world and made it source material, made it canon. Yeah. You can go play in critical role. That's like to me, that's the biggest. I don't even, I don't mean to interrupt. I know that's like that's no, 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 go for it. Critical, that's like the most hypocritical statement ever. I don't mean to, but I'm going to. But like <laughs> to me, like that's that is the cusp of what third party content is. If yeah. you create third party content that is real enough and original enough and inspiring enough, it can just be content and no longer yeah. even be third party content. You know, and the possibility of that is just like endless, right? Well, how many like, of the monsters? How many of the monsters started out as third-party content that are now canon? Yeah, oh yeah, massive monsters. It's, I mean, you look look right now. If you go on like D and D Beyond or something like that, and you look up the history of, or I mean, even Wikipedia. If you look at the history of the Hand of Vecna. Guess whose fucking name gets dropped in that one? Man- Joe Manganiello. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> the, that, that literally, like, if you look at the history of it, it was on Exandria. Vox Machina blah, blah, did their thing and blah, blah, yeah. blah happened. And, it, you know, that is literally in the Wikipedia of the Hand of Vecna. It's, it's insane that one event that we watched on YouTube has turned into official, actual story, real content that happened. But see, what's even cooler about that is... And that's third-party content. Is is that the Hand of Vecna is an anagram, which, for those that don't know, is is, is a mashup or a rearranging of the words for Vance, which is the Pulp Fiction writer that Gary Gygax got all of the idea to do this for. So, like... Even that was third oh, party. So you're content. throwing, you're throwing. So like even that's before deep that, cut, back that there. deep cut yeah. third party. No, but that, I'm saying that that's in the lifeblood. That's in the DNA you know, of this. You, like you know what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I listen to Matt Coville from time to time. <laughs> where's my? Where's I my, like Matt Where's Colville. my trombone? Wah, 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 wah. He talks fast and he makes some weird claims, but. Some of his stuff actually, you know, I, I enjoy it. 
I like it. I can't remember Jack Vance, John Vance. Anyway, it's pulp, I think I think authors writer. I think authors love to do that, especially when it comes to writing, uh, especially stories. Like I right now, I'm reading uh, the Wheel of Time. Oh uh, damn! I thought he was gonna say Stormlight Chronicles. That was, yeah, no, I take a drink. Yeah. No, reading uh, the Wheel of Time again. It's my second read through, and I was reading that the the author Robert Jordan did a uh, uh, kind of uh, he named this world uh, that in a parallel world in his world is called Sindal, which if you break the words down, it is uh, a reply to a ne- uh, no an no email. No, Neverland. No, Sindal in the words, the breakdown of his words in his the language that he created in his world is Neverland. It's a breakdown to one of his favorite authors for the author Peter Pan. And and it's just, you know, I don't know. uh, It's all alliteration. Or not alliteration. What do they call it? Illusion. Yeah, yeah, a, right. Like, well, yeah, and I think it's like not other literary works, and it's like hidden within your literary work. Yeah, and, yeah. And isn't and that the epitome of D and D though? Like all of us as so DMs, cool. love it, or as as content creators ourselves when we prepare our sessions for our people is yeah, take a drink. Is is we're only taking the best parts that we enjoy and formulating them into works mm-hmm. of art for our players to experience how we perceive those things and hoping that they perceive them the same, but that never happens. So sometimes when we put those references or those um, homages to our favorite parts of whatever we're doing at the time or come across, they're never perceived the same way by the players. So they, they don't become even know. Easter eggs. Right. So they never, <laughs> but they, you never even know, or they never even know what, what those homages were towards or in contents. Yeah. They'll never get that. Well, I mean, we talked about this before, too, of like, there's that that idea that you don't want to make something as obvious as maybe your your adventure party. Um, just for those that want to know, like, John's going to take a leak. Take a drink. <laughs> take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, the the adventure party that that wants to run down the bridge of Casa Dune and stuff. And you think like that would be epic to do something similar to that. And but oh no, everybody's gonna know. No, nobody at the table ever goes like that's stupid. That was in Lord of the Rings. They go, oh yeah, okay, I want to do that. I've always so, envisioned myself doing that. Yeah, now's my know? chance. So it kind of gives you like free reign to kind of take these very epic moments in pop culture or fantasy genre, or whether that be literature or movies or something like that, and just kind of go, I'm gonna pop that right there that's great you know or or the one that the one that always gets me is there's that and i I remember it was like the first time that i realized like my imagination and in a book was probably better than in a movie (laughs) but when i first saw there was that battle i think it was in lion the witch in the wardrobe or maybe one of the other movies that were in that that genre where like the centaurs are like rushing the battle line forward to meet with the other animals and stuff like that. I remember reading that and going like, I want this in a campaign. This has to happen in a campaign. And that's the thing about third party creators is there's other people that have figured out how to make that work inside a campaign, whether that's in modules, whether that's in settings or whether that's in other peripheral content like stickers or, or books or whatever minis minis or whatever. Right? Like, like, Finally, we've got it, it sounds weird, but we almost are in an era where 
Hero Forge doesn't need to exist because there's so everybody many... Everybody else does. Yeah, because everybody else does. And that's that's crazy to me to think. And that only took, what, five years? Maybe? Yeah, I mean, like, I, the thing is, so I remember, so I used to work in a manufacturing company where we use lasers a lot, right? So I could use lasers to do all kinds of cool shit. Um, and one of the things, we had 3D printers at work, and I worked with the dude in the 3D modeler, I was a graphic designer, and so, like, the art medium I was, that was sculpting, because you know, drawing became secondary, but I, like, 3D modeling was never something I messed with, like, I didn't have that as a kid, right? And so I tried to figure it out. But this dude, we talked about it, he had all these cool ideas in the report, like, oh, we build these 3D models, and we just make these, like, meshes that do this, and... You know, we can just sell these custom miniatures. And I was like, well, why would you do that? I was like, you're never going to compete with, like, Reaper or Bone or his kids or whatever. They're $4. Like, you know, why would someone pay me? And then I started thinking about it, like, recently. And it's like, well, someone will pay, like, you or me or anybody, like, to do this kind of stuff. Like, there's all kinds of 3D modelers and printers. And it's like, you can pay, people will pay money for that, right? Because oh, they yeah. want their character. Right, like these two, like two people that I like in my D and D campaign that I'm DMing, right? They spent seventy dollars on Hero Forge each, on yeah. like custom painted and custom whatever, because to them, like they like building character more than they like, were playing the game. And that to me is amazing. The fact that you know that third party content isn't just source material. It isn't just one shots. It's not just maps. It's not just maps for source material that are better than the source material. It's everything. It's ideas, even yeah. you know. And we can take. Like, I can make the bat squash of BDEG and yeah. just, like, race havoc on a party, right? Because I want to, and because all I have to do is decide, like, all right, what character to me is close in stat to a bat squash? All right, cool, how do I want to flavor his attacks? Done. And it only has to be for that one moment. But that, to me, is, I think, power of third-party content in Dungeons & Dragons. And stuff in Dungeons & Dragons has allowed, like the world to be a part of that, whereas other games hold so tight to their intellectual properties. They go, oh, you're plagiarizing, or oh, you're, you know, you can't copy our game mechanic because it's whatever. Dungeons & Dragons didn't do that because it was created by a bunch of dudes like us who didn't have that same sense of ego as, like, the other people who, like, made fun of us for playing Dungeons & Dragons had, right? It wasn't yeah. the same content. It's just people want to sit in a room and create it together. So why would you stifle anyone from having that feeling? And, yeah, if you want to take what we've made and built off of it, there's not that ego there. You touched on it in the beginning, I think. I think it was John that said, like, People normally like don't allow you to expand off their beliefs or don't allow you to expand off their game. Or Dungeons Dragons welcomes it, right? And that to me is one of the most powerful things. That homebrew can be as much or as little as you want. Third party content, like I could go download a one shot right now, probably for free if I found it, just because someone wanted to make it, right? Yeah. Or just because someone wants you to check out their catalog and, and, and subscribe to their Patreon or whatever it may be, yeah. right? And then I could go download a one shot right now, and then like. 90% of the one shot and then populate the other 10% of that one shot with content from, you know, Wizards of the Coast or content from Pathfinder or content from my own brain. And yeah. it's like, the third party is like, it's broken the, like, broken the fourth wall in a way of like just reaching out and being like, whatever you want, man, do it. You yeah. want to have a sword, like Cloud Strike Sword, and you want to ride on a cloud called Nimbus, and you want to make a character that's basically Kimiko from Sword Art Online. It, you know, punches people in the face and has a bad attitude like Raphael. Cool, no problem. Do it. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, like, yeah. And then if you make it cool enough, they make it canon. Like, what the fuck, you know, like, yeah, all if these you do it good enough, it's, right? It's just crazy. If you make other people inspire and you show other people ways to believe, 
like Dungeon Master Workshop, like an Instagram account I follow, that they just post items or characters that you can just put into your world. You can do a little blurb about them. You can use your stat block, and like it's it. It's all they do. You know what I mean? Like, hey, if you want. I think when I when I when I look at it, like I because I I've gotten really into just like the the painting side of things, so I see a lot of Warhammer stuff as well, right? And the Warhammer. Never Warhammer. What's that? So I never played Warhammer. I hear yeah. so much about it. I've, yeah, I've never, I think I think I never I've got into it a little bit, but it's so like learning well, a new system or or a yeah. whole way of thinking about a miniature game is just I don't have enough time, so I'm like I have a whole bunch of Warhammer models, yeah, and I like to paint miniatures, so for me it's more the aesthetic than it is the the gameplay. Yeah. But I always looked at Warhammer models like, how can I fit these into the D? This is before I got into 3D printing. Yeah, like, how can I fit these models into my D and D campaign? Yeah, and I, my point of bringing Warhammer up is, is like, Games Workshop, they hold on to their IP like Iron Fist. And they're doing well, but that's just because they've got a system that works. But, like, where WotC hasn't held on to their, with the exception of, like, Magic the Gathering. Like, well, I mean, here, and even here's then, the thing is, like, I, there's certain things that WotC holds on to that make, they make canon for only themselves. But there's things, there's a vast majority of things that they open up to those third party creators or, or like we said before, they don't come down on, on third party creators as much or as hard as if anybody was just borrowing from them a little bit. So it kind of makes it this, this mod podge of, of craziness where, um, where you have to, uh, kind of dodge the Watsi, uh, what they do, uh scale to only themselves and and what what they allow you to pursue as a third party creator but like you said mike earlier is like when you make those things cool enough and, and andy you capitalize on this when you make those things cool enough they also are open to making those things canon so everybody can enjoy them so they're yeah. not well, yeah because why wouldn't you right you know what i mean like, yeah what what would it how would it benefit them to like stop on people who are basically being their creative team without being paid. Well, and, here, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and to build upon that is like they we are, like as third party content creators, like every individual player at this game is is automatically almost breathing new life into the game that they've created over a vast amount of years ago. And although they've come out with new additions and new new year uh, uh, rule sets and stuff like that, these same people keep coming to the table and, like I said, just freely. Uh, or like you said, Mike, I'm sorry, just for free, breathing new life and giving them new ideas for their game that, that all they did was come up with a rule set for. And I'm not saying that's no easy feat, but well, it, it, I think it, I think it's the, I think it's a really, a real big testament to the Watsi team or maybe not. So the Watsi team, maybe not Wizards of the Coast, but the D and D team of like, there, there really isn't an ego. Like they don't have to deal with the ego because like they just keep nudging the boat in these different directions and all this super cool shit comes out of it how would you like see but as I, a creative like you have just, to be excited about but that. i think it's not just watsy or not just a dnd team man like i i'm excited like there's a lot of people that i follow online just like mike said with the the magic items it's just the yeah. small little niches like sometimes it's npcs yeah like sometimes as a dm take a drink <laughs> you you are like at this point where you're like dude i really want to incorporate this into my into my campaign but I don't know how to get there. And then all of a sudden you're like following somebody on Instagram and they pop up with this NPC or this magic item. You're like, 
that makes me get to point A to point B real easy, and it's already defined for me. Now all I have to do is build upon it just a little bit, yeah. and, it, and it merges yeah. the two together, and you're just like, man, that's amazing. But the fact that that person, that third-party content creator was like, this is all I do. I just do NPCs on a daily basis. I just release a new NPC. Yeah. And you're just like, wow, there's a plethora of those kind of creators out there that are just pumping out that. And that's what they find fun about this hobby. Maybe they don't play all the time, or maybe with, with situations going on, they don't get to play all the time and they find a way to still change the way that all of us think about the game that we all play. Yeah. And my, my point in bringing that up is, 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 is that, and the ego side of it is instead of like this corporation being like, Hey, that's our shit. You're just tweaking it. Why are you doing that? They're like in the background, like they're taking notes and like, Oh, yep. 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 They're like, the plane exactly. Yeah, they're like, like, yeah. And we're going to charge you for this later. Cause you're going to buy it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. That's like, it is genius. It is, it is. And I don't mean a genius in that like cynical business way of manipulation that everybody kind of gets caught. It's like, as someone who created something, right, you are one person or you are one organization or one entity or whatever you will, right? Why would you not? Like, at what point does the master stop learning from the student, right? Well, yeah. You know? What you just said there really leads, like, my mind just went to, like, Watsi is the DM, but they do, they're telling a story, but they're having all of these other people help them. The players, the players, the and players letting, are building the world. Yeah, they're letting, they're letting it go wherever the hell it goes. And we see it's that. It's like in that Aberon, got a bunch of murder hobos that go and like burn down a town and take over the city, but then reinvigorate their economy and like, yeah, this way commerce works. It's like it's like when WoW first had like I don't know if you guys ever played, but when WoW first had like uh like the commerce in that game, player control. Oh yeah, right? the auction limit. houses and everything else, and they tried to Absolutely. they tried to put uh they tried to put limits on it, and then they're just like, no, let's just let it go, and it just fucking yeah. Microtransactions. It was so much better. Yeah, it was so much better when it was player controlled because the player knew what the player wanted, and the player knew what the player what the player would find fair. And yeah. it's like if you wouldn't buy it, then they couldn't sell it. And all of a sudden, it was this like, all right, well, how do we figure out what's supply and demand? What item? What item is like so high on the RNG list that it comes up every other time? What item do you never find? That truly determines value. And yeah. that, that that I think to me is the, the basis of this game. You can make it whatever you want, right? If you want it to be a game about strict combat strategy and, you know, fuck the RP, let's just go from combat to combat to combat to encounter. The to purest dungeon of crawls. Absolutely, right? You know, or if you want to basically play like, you know, like, as the realm turns and have basically this, like, soap <laughs> opera of, like, D&D love or whatever you want to have. Like, These I mean, are the I, days like, of our lives. Absolutely, right? the deities of our lives or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, like Critical Role did these little one-shots where they played, like, Monster High for, like, you know what I mean? And it's just, like, silly stuff where it's, like, really teenagers that are really monsters and, like, you know what I mean? You can do that and basically your choices and the way you... Not, like, what you want to do is, like... That's, like, the, the, the thing that's, like, symbolically for me about a D20, right? Like, what you want to do is great, but what you actually can pull off is determined by experience and faith and you know a number of different like you know i guess modifiers if you will. and that to me is kind of like the best part about it um yeah. you know what i mean like that because it's like that is like i could see 
right? Like, like I could see the girl across the room that I wouldn't go talk to, right? Yeah. And I could be like, oh, I'm going to go do it. Then when I go to do it, it's like, yeah, my intent to be great, my, like, plan to be great. But then I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then she's like, what? And you're like, fuck. And you just walk away. But it's like, <laughs> that's because I really won on trying to talk to that girl. Like, yeah. it wasn't me that did it. It was just kind of like a combination of knowing how to navigate social situations and being comfortable talking to people and, you know, also, like, to do trips on the way there. You know what I mean? And so it's like, that's the thing I love about this game. They found a way to kind of, like, create the original random number generator. It's like, yeah, it's cool that you're super strong and have a badass weapon. But you can but, still like, roll. There's still a element you can't control. Yeah. You know? and we, and I think that, to me, is, like, what made this game a platform and, and them creating this simple system that just had rules that weren't, that weren't 100% user-defined and then being like, cool, you figure it out. And how many things is, like, D&D published or done or, like, even, like, not to say ripped off, but, like, you know, I mean, how much third-party content came out and they were like, oh, it's pretty cool and, like, technically they're using our thing, so, like, we just have to reskin it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why would you not have people come up with ideas? Like, that's, it's, it's such a shallow, egotistical way of thinking to be like, this is ours and you can't make it better. Yeah, and then, well, then on top of that, like, to build on the on what you were saying about the D20, then and then not only did they create a, a random number generator or a probability uh insert here but then but then you're allowed to customize these little things yeah so now now not only like i don't know about you but every time i build a character i need new dice so i like my character <laughs> oh i'm so bad about that my family's like so mad yeah and I, then, like, I will say like oh go ahead sorry sorry no uh-huh. and, and yeah and then they're and then they're my uh and then they're like my character's soul you know so like and, and i have hordes of dice man and i make it a an effort to push my dice fetish on other people too. So I keep package set of dice for new players to come to my table and give them their own dice. And I just, so then to... I just like nudge them in this, <laughs> in this way of like, look at all these custom dice you can have. <laughs> I just have to, I have to bring this up because last time, so two weeks ago, my fiance played for the first time and I dumped out my dice bag to help her find a set of dice to use. Right. And, her response was, "You don't need to buy any more dice." And I feel like everybody at the table, like, I never understand. Did like a weird, like, record skip. Like, wait, what? And they like looked at her, and then and then Ben hands her like a new set of dice, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I want those ones." <laughs> and just so that we're clear, I'm pretty sure she's looked at dice since then. <laughs> Who you know, I'm, like, I'm glad you brought that part up. That's that's just something funny to me. So like. Uh, our our whole relationship, me and my me and my fiance, like so I say fiance, but like I might as well just say partner. Or whatever. We've been engaged for like six years and just have no plans of like officially doing any kind of official ceremony because like we just figured life out, life partners we are, right? Yeah, yeah. And so like, but, like for thirteen years, like all our friends we worked with, whatever, like, wait, you guys make video games together? And we're like, yeah. And they're like, what? Like, like together? And like video games? And we're like, yeah. And they're like, no way. But I cannot get, like, we play MMOs together, we play, we play Minecraft, we play, like, Wii and, you know, Switch and whatever, Nintendo Mario Kart games. Like, we've always, like, since we first started dating, that's what we did is we played video games together. And so, like, I cannot, for the life of me, figure out why she won't play D&D with me, but she just hard refuses every time. Because and it's, it's like so the funny. ultimate nerdy thing, and they it just don't get it. 
She is a nerd through and through, dude. She literally has played every single nit in she, through Mystery Solving she, Game. Is she nerd denial, though? Like, the yeah. fact that you can play no, a video game... She, and... she has no problem. She, really? she has no, no persona. To her, it's like video games are visual, right? They give you a story to do that. And to me, like, she's like, oh, yeah, you see this set? Like, all these sets, you see people build terrain? Like, oh, my God, it's insane. Like, all these people build, like, terrain and dungeons, and they recreate these, like, three worlds with miniatures and sets. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'd do that. And like, yeah, you know what that would cost just for, like, one battle? And she was like, how much? And I'm like, well, like, at least, like, 150 bucks. She's like, oh, no. You know, like, for what? So how much would it be to finish a whole game? I'm like, well, one, like, campaign. Probably, like, thousands of dollars. She's like, no, we're not doing that. We have car payments. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why I'm not doing it. So just imagine. She's like, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah, but have, have <laughs> ask her this question. Has she ever read the Trist Tram Shandy? Because if she has... That is a book that has many, many people have tried to put that into a movie and failed miserably, but it's an amazing book. And that's well, right. Wait, what? Tris Tram Shandy. I've Don't worry about it, ever. John. It's way above your pay grade. But I've never oh, whoa, insult. Damn, Holy AG was shots fired. <laughs> Good Woo, God. Shots fired. It's not by Anne Rand, okay? <laughs> oh. Harry cool, Potter will not be making an appearance. What's that? And I, said, I just found the spark notes just so I can remember the name of the book. I love reading. So like, I would, well, but the point being is that like, people make movies about it and it's no, they, failed. They, they, there's been like multiple attempts to the point where like multiple companies have gone bankrupt of trying to of make, trying to make. But the book is amazing. But it's because you don't need all the sets like we we're spoiled because ben you're, has so you're saying a, a person's mind is the greatest you will never set. you will never recreate something better than somebody's mind well just oh yeah hold on but like just but if you so, know how to think and explore about your mind man your mind is like the most powerful thing in the world well i mean think about think about like what you said earlier mike is like when when you were when you had your most fun at D from what i got is when you were locked in that little closet that you called your draft room and you were just by yourself listening to these other people describe these worlds where your mind could run wild. When you eliminate, yeah. when you eliminate some of the distractions that come with this game, I be the the miniatures or the the sets or the or the other things. You're like you said, your mind is the most powerful thing in the world, and it will take you places. And I don't think that that's what people realize about books and reading and exploring other things. On an other le- on another level other than visual, yeah. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, and just because you can't visually see it in front of you as a three D object doesn't mean you can't recreate it or depict it in your mind either. Like I, I feel like some somewhere in between our our middle school age and our high school age, we just stop pretending, we stop well, imagining. The system, the, the, yeah, the, like oh, yeah. system of I, world. Like, it stamps imagination out of you. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it tries to stop you from imagining because dreamers are like the biggest threat to the system. You know what I mean? Right? Like, if you think about it, like, yeah. It, like, look out through history. Any dreamer who's the challenge of the status quo was basically excommunicated. Like, Galileo, Jesus, like, how many people like, were like, yeah. no, this isn't right. Something else is better. And they're like, no, it's not. They're like, no, 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 seriously, it is. Check this telescope out. And they're like, kill him. <laughs> 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 right. but, so he, like, but maybe, but maybe like, imagination him. is meant 
intentionally stifled, right? Let, but like, let, yeah. let's I, heard, I heard the get out music in my head right there. Just dun 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 dun. <laughs> just Can you imagine if kill him? people realized Elon Musk was going to be who he was, right? Like, who he is now as a child. He would have never, like, they would have, like, held him back eight years and completely controlled his, like, the way he thought about things. Because they'd be like, man, this guy's going to try and challenge NASA and also be a billionaire. Right. Also oh, ruin gas what, you don't, you don't want to do s- small, small scale testing. You want to just straight jump, like, directly into full scale rockets? Yeah. Fuck yeah. No, you're crazy. Yeah, no, but a, but a billion is, dollars like, is a lot of money, so I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, he does that. that he fucking right? skipped small skill. Oh, I was just saying, like, Elon Musk may not be the greatest example of, like, you know, it's not like I'm trying to say he's, like, a shining example of humanity, but I'm just saying, imagine if someone knew what he was capable of when he was, like, seven. Well, I think, you know to, what I mean? yeah, to bring it full circle, though, like, maybe that's what makes this community so eye-opening with third-party content. Maybe this is the reason why we are um, so like uplifted by the content creators is because just like we said in previous episodes, like there's no consequences to this game in real life. Therefore everybody's, everybody's able to voice their opinions or portray themselves as they will without any consequences or, or, or blowback because it doesn't have any effect on real life. But what's that, what that is leading to is the confidence in these people or us as people to be like, listen, if I believe this, and then a small group of you accept me for this, then all of a sudden, guess what? Maybe there's more of you out there that will accept my idea, yeah. or it gives me the confidence to portray my idea even further than just this small group of people. That's why I go back to the fact that I think that Wizards of the Coast is the DM, but they've fostered and actually helped us as as a as a um, a community like protect this this group of. Hey, we're just we're just trying stuff out. We're just throwing it out there. There's nobody can fail. If you want to have a My Little Pony thing, great. Well, you want to live forever in beta? Yeah, go like, for it. You know, uh, trial. For, trial. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Beta trials. D and D. The whole community is perma stuck and beta. But what? I, but, but what? It, what's it, great? It, yeah, it's basically like. Go ahead. It's basically like analog open source. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh shit! This don't work. Go oh, let's show this other one. I think I think that, like you made a reference of the Sword Art Online earlier, Mike, and and to me that's one of my favorite animes of all time, just because of the, the fact. Interesting concept for an anime ever. Yeah, because the concept in general is just like mind blowing. Like, dude, you're submersing yourself into a real world to where all you nerds can actually live out the lives that you want to live out, or you foresee yourself living out on a daily basis, and then all of a sudden, like. I mean, worst case scenario, you get stuck in the in the thing or whatever. But like that escape from real life. No, is worst well, case scenario, you die and then you really die. Yeah, like, no, yeah, well, sure, for sure. But I'm just saying, like, as a concept, like, could you imagine, like, if we could play, we we play that game, we play Sword Art Online in D and D. You know, we go to these places as different players. We don't have headgear. We don't have virtual reality. I'm sure it's on the horizon and it's coming fast. Oh, but we don't have God. those things yet. But that's what we do. The sword and sorcery. That's this game on uh, like Oculus and all that. It's just insane. It's basically like you can do whatever you want, and it's like a VR game. It's just completely like ridiculous. There's all kinds of ridiculous feedback. So you should watch like videos of sword and sorcery. It's very hilarious. Yeah, I'm, I'm already that. sitting here thinking like, what if you took Roll Twenty and VR and like 
you know, the maps a DM makes on Roll20, like, oh yeah, they're not 2D anymore. We're going 4D. We're going 3D. Well, then you end up with, like, the stuff that they were playing on the Millennium Falcon between uh, C-3PO and and Chewbacca. Chess? (laughs) Was that chess? Hollow chess, yeah. Hollow chess, chess, yeah. I was thinking that was more of a VTT. I thought they were playing, like, Warhammer or something like that on a virtual table. Well, we don't even know if it's chess. We just call it chess because it's a gridded board, you know. That's what they called it on the Decipher. uh, I apologize. The game is called Blade and Sorcery. Blade and Sorcery. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, just imagine, like, like I'm. See- all right, guys. Hey, we're gonna sit around this table, but we all got VR headsets. What? What if you don't even have to sit around the table? You don't even have to. Just but the VR tabletop. Well, yeah, but, but yeah, okay. VR tabletop, and the, the DM, you know, makes these three dimensional maps or gets them from third party content. Ooh, yeah, there's no, a whole new fucking no, line but, of third party back, creation. Back up for a second, this is this is what got me going. Would it be 3D party content at that point? Yeah, 3D. 3D. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Mike, do you just want to join of Dice and Brews already? Come on. Man. We, we need got, a permanent. We got four party. sides to this table. You should be on the fourth side over here. I will hang out the top of you guys whenever, man. Sweet. <laughs> we'll so, probably be calling on you. No, but. The ultimate third party content is D and D Beyond because that is oh yeah that That's is true that is very true made by Wizards of the Coast. It is something where they realized that this person was doing something better, and they said, "You know what? Here's that You're little circle it. with a C, and we'll give you the TM by it as well. Make it as as awesome as you can. Oh, by the way, yeah. just filter us a little bit of money every now and then." And and yep. we're good to go. And we it, want we want part of what you got, but you fucking take but take our shit it. and go with it. Yeah, and and they basically they basically had a hard elevator pitch that was basically like, "Hey, what's up, guys? So you guys are creating these really rad books. They're like fifty bucks a piece. We got this cool idea. What if you just made this much money and you didn't have to do anything? And all you had to do was give us like." PDFs of your books. Right. No, but the digital copy that you already have. It was, yeah, you know, it wasn't. Can just, we get that? And it, we'll give you. 10%. It wasn't just a PDF though. It was a form fillable PDF. Yeah. So now we can yeah, go in true. and put buttons. <laughs> in it. Yeah. You go on there. Like I remember when I first got into D and D Beyond, and it's like I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I can build a character and I can do whatever. And I'm like, wait, what? I can't build a drow. Why? It's like, because you don't have the book that has drow in it. And I'm like, oh my god. Motherfucker. I've got to buy every book twice. Well, yeah, like, first of all, fuck you. Second of all, like... Fuck you, take my money. If I was a kid... Well, no, because if I was a kid, right, like, and I, my mom could drop me to Barnes & Noble or Books a Million or whatever it was, like, I couldn't build a drought because I didn't know anything about it. And I didn't have the internet. And so that's kind of cool. It makes you feel that way. But at the same time, you're like, man, you have a real shite. That stuff is all over the internet. For you free. know what's but cool about that? The, they give you the homebrew option. You can yeah. build it in yeah. for free. Yeah. All you have to do is do it. Okay, but here's what's even cooler than that. So I'll pay two ninety nine to play a drow. Why not pay two ninety nine? Oh, now I want to play a drow service wars druid. Cool, I'll pay another two ninety nine. That's no problem. All of a sudden, you have like eighteen bucks on your custom built character. It doesn't feel that bad, you know, as a player. No, you know, like, I'm because I'm to be who I want. Yeah, I and it's yours. Dude. And then you feel accomplished because yeah. you made it. Yeah, and, but and it's brilliant. And it is brilliant. It is microtransactions in Dungeons and Dragons, which is an analog game. It's insanely yeah. brilliant. Well, and but but what's great about that too is like I don't know about you, but like I don't have a I don't feel bad about paying for that because I want the guy that made that to keep making cool shit. Right. Right. And two ninety nine. 
okay, yeah, that's not a problem. And then what's also cool about that is like you, you said, you know, you're the kid and maybe you don't have the 299, but take a drink. I work with teenagers. Yay! Like we have, like, there is so many like nonprofits out there where, and, and I luckily, I go to, I go to church with, uh, a guy that works for Wizards of the Coast and he's like, Oh yeah, if you if the church wants like a master account of the players set for this, just let me know. I'll give you the code because because you know Watsy because I'm that rat somebody out right now. I well, no, no, like. no, no, no. I'm not ratting anybody out, but like Watsy, they they they're all about like you know Critical Role is all about that A two six L A. They're like they're about giving it. They're like <laughs> here, have fun. Like yeah. I don't know. It's just it goes back yeah. to like good good the, companies. The lack of big, ego. Good. Com- I think I, I've always felt good companies do that. Like I, I uh, you see it a lot, and, and I know I know it's a lot of advertisement. You see it a lot in energy drinks. Energy drinks like oh you know oh you like ours? Here's fucking seventeen cases of it. I'm like I didn't ask for that, but like yeah, take them though. Uh huh. Well, that's because they're basically giving you poison. They're trying to make you like a dick. Yeah, the first <laughs> one's free, but they're also but they're also trying Welcome to get to the heroin, adver- advertisement Here, out. You just need to know where to get it when you need more. Like, they're just trying to get that advertisement out, though, and I and I think you know. Oh, by the way, have a T-shirt. Yeah, have yeah. two T-shirts. Uh, I drink companies, drink companies in general do that a lot. Uh, you see that big time. They're just like here. Here's a shit ton of our product for absolutely no reason because they're hoping you're going to pass out. Well, here's the other thing is like with the with the microtransactions, like when you feel accomplished creating that homebrew monster, creating that homebrew class, it wants you to you want to do more. So so maybe ultimately what 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 D&D Beyond and Watsi and them are thinking is like, dude, these are the next group of developers or Create creators. More creators. That we can tap into, like all of a sudden they're putting their stuff out there, so it's almost like you're creating a resume for yourself. Yeah, of big like, time. I didn't even man, think about like, that. I, I got this slew of monsters. I can make my own monster manual so out of this stuff. Check this guy's out. This yeah, portfolio. Like, he's got he's got like two classes, yeah, a subclass, a race, and seventeen monsters. And nowadays, with the way the world works, too, it's like we've got what we've got Patreon, we've got Kickstarter. It's basically like quantifiable like results. Companies, yeah, right, and almost so, instant. Absolutely. So me, it's like if I was Wizards of the Coast, right, and you I should be, I like I'm running out of developers, and I'm running out of developers, right, and I'm running out of like content creators. All I have to do is go to the internet and type in third party D and D content, and there's a million websites of people like you guys who have reviewed third-party content or people who have, like, blogged about it or people who post it. And then all they have to do is go through and read what they think is cool. And yeah, then they or- go, okay, cool. You have a Patreon and you have, oh, wow, you have 24,000 patrons? Cool. We're going to extend you a job offer. Because yeah. clearly you're successful at getting these people to spend four, at least $3 a month times 24,000. Yeah. Right? And it's like, it's, you don't even have to do the work anymore. It's, it, it is brilliant. Like, allowing people to use the, the fundamental basics of something that you've created that is successful is basically pushing your field or your industry or your product further than your team could ever do it, like, in in home, well, right? Like, and, by yourself. Yeah, and like I said, you're breathing new life into your own product without even having to do anything. Like, you, like you just like said. Like, with the bellows. Yeah. You do that Scottish dwarf stereotypical one just making air go on fire making it hot again that's right 
And, and the funny thing about that is, is like uh, until we've we've had this conversation, I've I've really never thought about the extent of that, like the stuff like the DMs Guild, where where people publish one shots and stuff like that, and like people are building their resumes, people are building their portfolios to to content Fucking creation without Eberron, man, without even uh, but without even going the long way anymore like you don't have to go the long way anymore it's all about uh trial and error and 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 defining a name for yourself and yeah. figuring out what works and what people want chris and then perkins this, well he, then, he started then, out by sending stuff into yeah. dm magazine or whatever it's, it was it's funny and, to me and how now he's a creator now yeah. he's the creator but it's funny to me like like mike said this is we have all these things like kickstarter and and patreon and stuff like that and then like all it takes is a small group of people. Jesus, <laughs> you almost Good. knocked the table. Over. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was just trying to sit down no, like, quietly. No more bats. <laughs> he tried <sighs> to sit down quietly, the most noisy way possible. <laughs> he almost belly flopped on the table for fuck's sake. <laughs> fucking table went. You can't have two wheel motion. Arts. Holy shit! <laughs> Woo. So yeah, but like we as as a community have made these people flourish by showing support in their content creation by them expanding our game therefore pushing the boundary of what really do you have to do to be successful in this world all you have to really do is find a niche and find a group of people that want to consume your niche and then you can just capitalize on that i don't even think it's that i think all you need to do is try and that's the thing that like this community should be is all you have to do is do anything. yeah it doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter if it's the best or new or something different. All you have to do is try and be like honest about what you're doing. I yeah. guess. I, I, I will, well, I would expand on that and say like all in. If you show that you're all in, yeah. they will be all for you. You know. You know. This yeah, brings absolutely. me back to. Uh, I, I remember so distinctively my very first job, and I, I went into a field of work that. I have no fucking clue of 18 years old. And I'm like, I don't know, even know what the fuck I'm doing, but they're like, it's not about what you do. We can teach you your attitude. And I feel like that just, you know, the third party content that the D and D beyond offers you and, and just the D and D community gives you that ability to show your, your attitude, your, your behavior and allows companies to be like, Oh shit. You you might not got the skills. You might not know exactly how this all works. But damn, you're fucking good at it, though. And you got the drive. You got the drive. I yeah. like this attitude. Hey, here's a job offer. And and yeah. it's well, even not. The, it, it doesn't even have to come from big companies. Like self sustained. Yeah. Like S- yeah. Some of these the people world could be the from, big company. Yeah. The, some of these people are built from absolutely nothing but their imagination, and they're just like yeah. They keep pumping themselves out there and throwing their creations yeah. out there, and the, and people keep eating it up, and pretty soon. It's you, that you're self sufficient. It's that like, attitude. You, as long as you maintain that, the attitude, like you said, Mike, the try, the 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 drive, the attitude, the the wherewithal to just attempt something just different and being honest. Yeah, like yeah. exactly. Well, and I like, think I love it too because there's all these people that create everything. Like some of the people that have inspired me to keep going and keep drawing or keep talking about it or keep making stickers it's like are just people that buy miniatures and compose cool photos you know what i mean and they tell yeah. a story in this photo and that's it right or they like there's one guy that i followed that 
you know, he, he liked to post pictures of miniatures and tell like these like two part or three part stories in each of his posts and how he's writing a book of short stories. It's getting like illustrated by someone who's like known in the community. And it's just like that kind of connection is so organic and it's like it's so reminiscent of the type of connection you make with people in Dungeons and Dragons over a tabletop, you know, with your friends on a Sunday, you know, that in this digital world, we're already so pushed away from each other. The fact that there are still people that are able to do these like sticker trades, like or the you know, like we're gonna we're gonna work together because we like your vision and we're gonna do this and we're, like that's something that only happens from like getting to truly know someone. And I feel like in this digital world, that's such a rarity. But in this group, in this community, it just seems second nature, like almost like part of it, you know. Well, what 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 you're saying and what you what you guys are painting. It, it kind of, there's a part of me that's scared about it, and there's a part of me that's like super stoked about it. But what I, what I feel like Patreon, Kickstarter, uh, I don't know if there's other GoFundMe or whatever, what those have really done, or social media mainly, is figured out how to monetize passion. Because there's a lot of people out there that are passionate about that. It's, I don't know if you can call it all passion. No, but you get my point. Like, yeah. there's, there's people out there that are passionate about something and they're, they're, they're pumping out, you know, uh, so, so for instance, you brought up, um, one of the, the, the content creators that's creating, um, different, uh, items and whatnot, right? Yeah. Magic items. Yeah. yeah like every one of those isn't a banger, no. right? But they're pumping those things yeah. out because they're passionate about it. And maybe one out of, it used to be one out of a hundred was something you were like, holy crap, I'm, I'm into that. Now it's one now, out of 10. Now it's one out of 10. And it's like, yeah. okay, that's somebody that, that got in front of people and got to see that, Hey, you know what? We like what you're doing. You're passionate about this. You're doing, you're putting out a good product. We're not quite there yet, but keep going. Right. And they're getting the encouragement from the rest of the community. And it's that's crowdsourcing in its purest form. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's crowdsourcing in a, I, I, I said earlier about like, we've learned to monetize passion, but when I say monetize, like when we think about like monetizing things now we're in, in 2021, we're, we're monetizing things in ways that don't have anything to do with money, whether it's views or clicks or, I mean, Right out loud, look at like look at made crypto. up made up internet currency. Yeah, like, look at cryptocurrency. You can monetize exactly. anything if there's passion and belief behind it. Dogecoin went up like twenty three some Doge. Yeah, Dogecoin. Doge. No, Dogecoin is sixty cents. Yeah, it's sixty cents, but it went up like twenty five percent because somebody said something about it put, this week. I put money. Okay, in people double, told people to sell it. It's, it's all because of memes, dude. Yeah, and it's it's, it's, just, it's crazy. Memes like, have broken the stock market. Memes are literally worth something now. That's it's what's called crazy. A, it's called a meme stock. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But it's no, legitimate I it's money. And I, I put money in it at zero, zero, 005. But here's the thing. It's like we we have been put in a situation to where, okay, so to quote Jeff Goldblum, life finds a way. So, <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, we've put it, been put in a situation this last Jeff year. Or well, Ian Malcolm. Crichton. But but we we have put in, been put in a situation over the last year to where we're told to separate ourselves from the general populace, and and yeah. confine yourself. So 
how do we communicate with people that are at long distances? We get on the internet and we share funny stories. Instead of telling joke in public now, now we share memes, even more so than we did before. Yeah. And now we talk about these things via online, even more so than we did before. So the only typical outcome of that is to be like, hey, somebody's going to be like, how do I make money on this now? Just like everything else. That's the society or, or in, in the in the general scope of things, like how we work as humanity is like the next best thing, or we'll find a way to make money on it, or we'll find a way to capitalize on it. Or how do we make it better? We're always on to the next thing. And I feel like D and D has always been a step ahead of the game in that situation is where, because they haven't strictly held their licensing down in that way to where the, the community can't thrive on it. They've opened it up to into this blossoming flower to where, you know what? Now it's out of control and you can't trim it back. So the only way to do it is accept it and then capitalize on the most important things that people want and then give the rest of the power to the community and be like, hey, do with it what you will, because guess what? I We're think, here. I, I think yeah. I think you see a lot of that, uh, the effects of the D&D community, just in uh, a lot of your... your TV shows. How prevalent is D&D becoming just in TV shows now? I, th I think they're like, holy fuck, this community is so massive, but has been so uh, underground, if you might say. I'm doing air quotes there. But I didn't really do the air quotes. Arms are crossed. No, I didn't. Anyway. Well, I did one air quote over here. Off the side. <laughs> you do an air quote with your eyebrows. Yeah, not yeah. There, but no, I got my arms crossed. And I did one air quote with one hand. But, uh, but I, I mean, the the community is so large that D and D has had to become a presence that is common now in in TV shows that you see on TV, and, and it's. But how much of that has become because of the fact that maybe not the community has grown, but we have thrown back to to it's okay to be a nerd or it's okay to have it. Oh, I think that's all part of it. That's the biggest thing, right? So, like, at some point, right, like, the, it, so, like, this was back in, like, the 50s, right? Like, being a nerd or being a square or being any of that, you know, you look at movies in Greece and you look at movies like, you know, even emulations of Greece from the 80s, like Crybaby, right, where it was, like, the nerds and the squares not cool. People who tried real hard in school were not cool. And it was the people who didn't do things, right? Yeah. But then, like, I think in the, I, I feel like it was probably in, like, the mid-90s was, like, the like, grunge revolution, like, pop off of, like, bands like Weezer and stuff like that. That really kind of, like, started making, like, nerds be okay. And I know Revenge of the Nerds was there, but it was still really making fun of them. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, but I feel like at a certain point, it started being okay to where, like, we realized that, like, all right, you know, nerd, nerds is cool, right? I remember I had a conversation with a girl in high school. She's one of my, like, good friends. And she was like, no, I, I honestly, like, I think, like, nerds are cool because of this, because they're honest, because they don't try too hard, and blah, blah, blah. And, like, that was right around the time that that transition was happening. And then it, it did, like, show the Big Bang Theory and community and, mm -hmm. you know, Stranger Things, like, all put D&D in their shows because it was something they related with. There's something they could connect with. And they thought... You know, as many people out there that wouldn't connect with this, there's people that will, and we can grab those people. But what and I think they found out is a lot more people actually connected with it than what they thought. Well, yeah, I mean, like, if you think about it, how many, how many popular kids are there in high school? There's a click of them. Well, how many is the rest of people, right? Yeah. 
I stay with college <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah and that, most of the time, you know, those are the people that play D and D. Yeah. Well, so, and I mean, even, even casually, even like, oh, in a school yeah. of two hundred, the popular people's only fifteen. Seven. Exactly. <laughs> well, like well, there's people. 185 fucking people still to go. And yeah, but they're like, right, cool, man. Like, even then, you you've got you you've got the cheerleader like, and the the football player who are this maybe not the star quarterback, but maybe the star running back. There's cool, but t- we've got the bass saxophone, the baritone saxophonist, and the yeah. color guard person from over here, and that group of kids have been there playing hacky sax, so whatever. Yeah, yeah but they're well, all playing D and D together. Well, they just don't talk about it. And then on top of that, the fucking the you coach of the football team is DMing. <laughs> yeah. You want to play some happy sack? It's easy top comment. You got you to gotta squeeze a lot of the beads out of those things first, though. Oh, yeah. yeah you got to soften them up. Rub, I'm a fucking happy sack. Roll bro. around on the ground with you guys, your foot. You guys don't know about my happy sack. Oh, uh, you don't even want to oh, test dude. my skills. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. I feel I'm, like now you guys need to do a video challenge. You need to do a video challenge where we test all of your skills. Let's do it. I'm, I'm gonna. I, I feel. I feel like Ben. Ben, you feel like you're really good, but you're probably only oh, one foot. You can create you a live show called you Hack and Slash. You don't you know, you Hack and Slash. <laughs> <laughs> That's the live stream right there. Hack and Slash. Ben, you got one foot, huh? I did. I'll gesture the shit out of you. You don't oh, know about me. Oh shit! You don't even know, bro. I'm the gesture to stall kind of guy. Yeah, I, except that I'm sitting here thinking like. It's been like fucking twelve years since I've even I touched still got, a hacky sack. I probably sack. have a hacky sack in the house, and I'm two bat squatches and a trickster IPAD. <laughs> Try me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to see me right now, Romeo. <laughs> oh, <fuck> you. <laughs> you know, actually, speaking of Romeos, I think they might be the premier. Hacky They're sack such shoot. a great shoot hacky sack. Oh my gosh! Big so flat, got large, wide surfaces. The large brim. To Guess stop. who's wearing some right now? <laughs> That's why I called you Romeo a second. Yeah, but I mean, to get back on topic, no, like, I'll, bear, I just, I'll, I'll, ha- I'll hacky sack barefoot. We'll try this. Try that you one. Even, you don't even want to see me. Hack and slash. If you don't hack. You get your foot slashed off. Holy shit. Whoa, Achilles shit. tendon? We just turned real D&D. <laughs> I've been listening to Dan Carlin's Supernova in the East, which is about the... the if, whole, like, if uh, you don't... Yeah, anyway, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say something silly. I was just, like, if you, I don't even know what it's going to be. Now it'll be stupid. But, like, yeah, if you don't, like, catch the hack, you have to roll, like, a percentile die. And if you roll under 50, like, I don't know, you need to... You, you lose you your foot. Some, some punishment. Yeah, no, that's not you even silly. Your, that's the way it works. You lose your whole foot in you real life. If you <laughs> fucking decap, if you don't hack, you have your Achilles cut. Holy shit! Here, sign this waiver, please. <laughs> who wants to participate? We're playing a real game here. Yeah, who wants to participate in the annual hack or slash your Achilles contest? Yeah, Good yeah, God. <laughs> yeah. Bread and circuses. We're back. Hope, hopefully, you <laughs> saved your vacation time, bitch. You ain't walking for a fucking couple months. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, hold on. I had a question for you, real quick. Uh, when What's that? when you when you draw, uh, what what kind of tablet are you using? If I can ask. Uh, so because I'm so mobile right now, because I moved from like you know a, a winter home to a summer home, so to speak. It sounds bougie, but it's not really bougie. I can promise. Um, like I, I have an iPad Pro. I use Procreate. Um, I used to use the whole like Photoshop and Sweet and like a walking tablet and stuff, but just that whole rig became cumbersome to carry around. Um, so yeah, I've been basically just been drawing on an iPad Pro with an iPad pencil or an Apple pencil and a Procreate app, and I'm just trying to make it as digitally thick as possible so that I can you know retain that kind of resolution. Um, yeah, it's been fun. Like the hardest thing I've noticed from going from that to doing any of the stickers is like 
getting the color correction right on like a printer. Like I bought a printer that was highly recommended for this type of work as far as like you can print like 600 DPI, which mm-hmm. is cool. Color reproduction on it is kind of interesting. So it's like there's a lot of, it loses a lot of the red in the color. Okay. So it's like that's kind of been my biggest challenge of going, like doing this venture is like, you know, like the first couple of people I was like reaching out to being like, hey, what's up? You, you seem like you like stickers. Like, can I send you a sticker? And just you tell me if you like it and how it lasts on your phone. Like, you know, you put it wherever and tell me how long it lasts. So I know whether this material holds up or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. I sent out a couple packs of stickers to people just kind of like making friends, so to speak. Because mm-hmm. to me, that's what it's all about at the end of it. It's like, you know, hanging out and sharing your art with people. Yeah. Um, but that was the hardest part was like trying to figure out like the color reproduction, what paperwork and all that. Have the part is like, pretty easy like I, I feel like i have more i feel like i have like a lot more flexibility with photoshop um because like procreate has its limitations but as far as just an accessible drawing device like an ipad pro um my, i got mine refurbished so it was like less expensive which is cool um and that apple pencil i think it feels really good yeah. to like draw on it so if you like okay so thinking of third-party creators and getting more people into this and open source stuff. Like if, if there was somebody that listened to this, whether they be 12, which I, God, I hope we don't have 12 <laughs> year olds listening to We're our fucking family friendly. <laughs> yeah. Shut your you fucking ears. Teenager. That is preteen. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is actually. If you, if you get Motherfuckers is having babies at 12 now. Leave them alone. Yeah, I know. They're full grown adults. Getting they paychecks. can vote. <laughs> 11 and pregnant. On MTV3. <laughs> yeah. I watched it last God, night. Where do we just go? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but my question my question being, like, if somebody else that that comes across this wants to kind of think, you know, they think they want to get into this, what is, like, the one thing, um, which I, I, I kind of ask Don't you about Don't do this. it. It's my niche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what is the one thing that, that, that you really learned that you didn't really, you had to learn by experience versus somebody telling you um just like prepare yourself for like the overwhelming kindness of the community right like oh. i know that that sounds kind of ridiculous but drawing it's like if you want to draw you can draw right drawing yeah. is something that is a, it is a learned talent not a born one right mm-hmm. like you can watch people all over this pandemic posting on like on reddit or on you know various things being like oh this is my first drawing in 2020 and this is my second drawing in 2021 and it looks like they went from being like a two-year-old with a crayon to being like someone who draws like splash art for legal legends. And it's insane, right? What people are capable of with the tools out there. But it's honestly just prepared for the overwhelming support. Because if you don't, you become stagnant, right? Okay. Instantly. So are you, you saying take the risk? Is that what you're saying? By absolutely. The so take the risk. Take the risk and don't worry about what you have. Worry about what you're doing. Right. Okay. So, so many people worry about like, okay, I need to have a MacBook Pro and I need to have the best cricket cutter or sil- silhouette cutter. And I need to have an $800 printer. And they let that like sensory overload overwhelm them from even starting because like applications like TikTok and Instagram and all these things, you see like these cut and manicured and edited versions of what people actually do. Yeah. Well, you don't realize that they're fucking up just as much as you are. They just are doing something. So you see their perfection. You see what they want you to show. It's just like all these Instagram influencers and everything. You know, that, that person doesn't look like that on a regular basis. You know what I mean? They don't have like, they don't always wear matching perfect clothes or they don't always have perfect skin or they don't always have the best drawing or they don't always have whatever. So it's just learning to like see through all of that and not worry about what you have. 
an old beat up laptop and a sketchbook. Yeah, and do like, it. Cool. Draw and do it the best you can and go to Kinko's and scan it and put it on a flash drive and scan it in your laptop and color it and paint or whatever you have to do. But just do it because there's someone out there that's going to find your art creative or inspirational or amazing or whatever it may be. And as you build, as you do that, the confidence that you're lacking that's not allowing you to take that step gets built. Yeah. Right? And I've, you all of a sudden feel like I can do this because this person and that person, these three other people believed in me. And then as you do it, like I've, I've just started my sticker company a couple months ago and I've already paid for the printing device that I bought, right? Yeah. And that was never the goal, but it's just a fact of how it's worked. And I never set on that planning out for it, right? Yeah. And so if I would have sat there and worried about having the best thing, and the best computer with the best software, and what software this person uses with what walking tablet that person uses, I would have never done it. But instead, like we had this iPad, you know, my fiance was doing lettering on, and we had a cricket that she decided to buy, and I was just like, "Cool, I'm gonna figure it out." Yeah. And we did it, and that was that. I feel and like so I think it's just like don't get overwhelmed. Is okay. My best advice: just, just do start. It. And and I I would feel like you could translate that into. Into DMing, yeah, into go uh, that route. into anything. It's like yeah, don't anything, really don't live up, don't set your expectations as high as these live stream people that have practiced their craft for so fucking long. Just yeah. go for it. Just it. dive into it. Tell a story. Yeah, you're never going to be Do Matthew it. Mercer because Matthew Mercer is Matthew Mercer. Yeah, you're gonna you can't be. be. There's you. it's and you're impossible. Only ever be you. Yeah, yeah. Be exactly. somebody you're different. Only yeah. Be you. You know, and that's cool. Learning that you were never going to be someone else because you were already yourself is probably the best thing anybody can learn. But like, <laughs> it takes whatever experiences that you're going to have to go through in life to get there. Man, Whether say it's that again. A great teacher. Yeah. What? Say that then. Yeah, say that then. <laughs> so here's another no, thing: is like I feel like I feel like you hit the hammer on the nail earlier when when as nail. people yeah. people get. People get all caught up in the emotions of trying to be somebody that they're not when they're trying to take up DMing. <laughs> Hit the nail on the hammer of the head. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what that's saying. What part, anyway. part of the nail is the hammer? <laughs> I just all, all I did is picture a, you taking a nail and and smacking hitting a hammer, smacking a Listen, stationary hammer. I wasn't, with it. <laughs> I wasn't trying to sink the nail. I was trying to sink the hammer. Bitches. Oh, okay, okay. Listen, oh, he's going for the big, so, big guns here. I'm overshooting it. But but I think the best the, the the hardest part about DMing is getting over the fact that most of all your players at the table just want to hang out, drink beer, and have a good time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As DMs, we think take a drink. We think that we're we're obligated to tell this magnificent magnificent <laughs> take a drink. Ben screws up another word. Magnificent story when really you just want to tell a story that your players can comprehend and have a good time with and. And be somebody that they're not at that moment right now. Yeah. Escape the realism. Get outside of your yeah, own Yeah, everyone's head. doing it for a game. You know what I mean? Everyone's doing it for, for their recreation, right? No one goes to the beach to go to work. You know no. what I mean? I work on but my like, beach bot every day. <laughs> well, that's the thing. But, like, but that, that, that's the whole point of it all. You know what I mean? Like, you, you overwhelm. At the end of the day, you said it. Like, people are just trying to hang out and drink some beer and have some fun. And if you put all this pressure on yourself, it's not going to be fun for you. You're yeah. going to resent. You're going to put that pressure on your players. Well, then on top okay, of that, exactly. not... when they don't, when they don't come out to your expectation, you're going to be like, "Come on, guys! Like, you don't have fun. They focus, don't have fun." Right? Yeah, and that's not what it's about. At that point, you're failing Dungeons and Dragons. The only yeah. way you can lose Dragons 
by not. You can't fun. win D and D, but you can definitely you fail. Can definitely lose. Yeah, no, that's that's what I love about D and D is we're like trying to explain it to somebody else or a new player who's never experienced it. How do you win? Yeah, that, that's the first question. Well, well, how do you win? And I'm like, don't die. Don't die. Don't die. You don't win. I mean, I feel even if you die, you didn't. You didn't lose. Yeah, I've I've died before and I haven't lost. I've never died. It's coming. (laughs) That was. Oh man, my my first D and D was like was annoying. I was so mad at it. What level were you? Eleven. Oh shit! shit. Okay, okay. Echelon. That's. That's uh, level eleven. Was that pa- that. that was a Pathfinder campaign though, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. It was D five E. It was D five E. It was a homebrew game. I was playing with like my roommates and like their college or like like neighborhood friends that they grew up with or whatever. And the dude DMing was great. He did this like weird homebrew world. But like one of the, I guess like, like metagaming, one of the players and the DM, like, I guess it built this game for it to switch into another session where the player took over DMing and the DM took over playing one of the NPCs from his campaign. But okay. they basically worked into where, like, one of the player characters, like, basically were double-crossed us, I guess. Like, Ugh. where he became the bad guy and sent us off into this rocket in space. And uh, I failed the dexterity save trying to jump from one end of like the wing to the other. I was playing with like that like twilight zone. Like there's someone on the wing. But, like I was like trying to like go from whatever to whatever, and I was a little halfling rogue. My name was Herman Hushdagger, and like <laughs> I like I like missed this dex save to catch this rope and fell off and landed in the water. And like in Canaan, I guess they were like, "Well, if you don't want to die, like we can like say that you like." Got washed up on an island somewhere. I was like, no, oh, fuck that. Like, he's dead. Like, I don't even want to play this character. I'm not even in this space anymore. Fuck this. That's, a, that's like, how many years? Like, yeah, how, how long did uh, you play that character? Did you start like, from level one? Here. No, we started level three. That's and still, still, that's still. That's, that's, was it XP or, or milestone on that? Uh, it was milestone. So, like, some. some in some sessions, we would play a five-hour session and gain a level because we like solved a big puzzle. And then sometimes we go like three or four sessions without gaining yeah. anything. And like, but it's like we got it. We started at three, I think. Maybe we started at five. I can't remember exactly, but it was like it was supposed to be just this like fun, super weird heist homebrew world, and it was pretty fun. It was a good time. But I just remember being pissed off because there were so many times looking back in the campaign that the dude who ended up being the bad guy, like casually nonchalantly didn't help us out and i was like oh, man you get to do you weren't even like you were metagaming this whole game as the bad guy like i'm gonna punch you right now <laughs> well, Pat, does the bad guy, doesn't the bad guy know he's the bad guy the whole time always but like Ooh. i guess yeah, yeah i know but shut up yeah <laughs> 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 thing, it's like, it, it, it was that time it was the first time i've been like double crossed by a person who was on my team like my character had like gone out and like stuck his neck out. Oh, the table. yeah, you yeah. know. And it's been, like I've been delivered that to us one time. Yeah, we did. I did that one. We had a guy leaving um, our group, and it was our first five E group. We had a guy leaving. He was moving to Florida, and we were playing Lost Minds of Fandelver. And and there's a section in Lost Minds of Fandelver where you can kind of like go off in your own little world with the old Owlwell. And I was like, dude, and there's this necromancer that's in this tent and I, or a red wizard of Thay. And I was like, man, this is, there's so much possibility here. Like, why the fuck did they not build on this? So I just built this whole little fucking dungeon where he was like, 
creating a um, he was harvesting on keg uh, poison and creating this huge gelatinous cube underneath the whole fucking world that was going to like devour the whole thing. And, and the, the dragonborn paladin actually found that it was leaving was fi- found the sentient shield that had a demon in it. And at the end of it, when they vanquished, he was uh, tiefling. I thought. Oh, tiefling. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Cause you were the dragonborn. I was, and he was a tiefling and the shield had a, a demonic Rimmel. being in it and it was talking to him the Rock. whole time. And I was like, dude, what would be cool, like, because they're at the, the culmination of this dungeon, and I was like, what would be cool is this, if you killed the necromancer, freed the, the demon inside your shield, and turned into the bad guy for this, like, this epic battle where I just sat back as a DM and, and you fought. <laughs> like, you were the bad guy. You know, like, you rolled your character and you fought what all these level, guys. What level did you make him? I think I made him You made eight. You bumped him up to ten, I think. I don't yeah, think it was ten. I thought it was ten. Yeah. I thought it was pretty You guys high. were, like, five. Yeah, we were like five. It was really fucking high. Yeah, well, yeah. I, and and for for like a group of four fifth level players, there's ten, five of you because Jeremiah just joined that one. Yeah, no, five, whatever. And then there was maybe was like fun, six though. or that seven of you. There might I, for because, some reason I remember six of us. Yeah, I think there's a lot of you guys, Micah. Yeah, but that it was super fun because as a DM, I just sat back and I had minions prepared just in case like the the tiefling got overwhelmed. So I had these minions come out of this portals and like stand there as statues just in case the the BBEG got overwhelmed. And and I just sat there as a DM and watched the player versus player entourage ensue. It was the most fucking well, phenomenal thing I've ever seen. And if I remember correctly, seen. we were all just like really pissed off because yeah. Micah just started smiling and we're like, what's going on? Yeah. And then you dropped that mini on the table and it was like the rest of us were like literally stuck grappling with the fact that well like, he he fucking killed uh, uh daniel's character remember like he stabbed him in the back and took the killing bullet on the necromancer and like completely killed daniel's oh, okay character okay. and then and then was uh, daniel in on it though who no got, who got yeah. the killing blow on him i don't know i think it was daniel i think daniel pushed him off the ledge i don't know i i was down there duking it out with them but it was somebody great, somebody got the fucking killing blow on him yeah, I set up this big epic inter- encounter with the the necromancer where he was like switching platforms over these five platforms over this huge gelatinous cube, and the player characters had to like jump over these platforms to get to the necromancer. And that was a three hour encounter in itself. Yeah. You, and then you all negated of a sudden, movement. Movement yeah. was very very hard. And to then do all of a sudden, after a three hour a three hour campaign, then one of their buddies turns against him, and they have another three hour fight. Yeah, w- where I just sat there and just watched it. It was just great. Oh my god! And I, I love trying to explain to people why D and D takes like eight hours. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god! Before like, my girlfriend played, they're like, "Wait, you guys sit around and just play this for like eight hours?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah. like doesn't yeah. feel like and that, like, but yeah." Like, I, I, I don't know. Like sometimes we make nachos and like, <laughs> like stop in the middle, and, like, and then like we tell stories. And I was, Shut up! Just come hang out. Yeah. No, yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. Or yeah, I'll be there. Before it's my awesome. fiance, I, I, before my fiance played, she always wondered like, why the fuck do you have to leave so early and you don't get and you home, don't get until, home like, until like two in the morning? Two in the morning. <laughs> I'm like, well, we're playing D and D. And then when she finally played D and D for the first time with us, she's like, oh, yeah, six hours wasn't long enough. I'm like, yeah, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> and most of the time, you don't. You basically get to buy weapons, 
polish them and start to use them, and then you realize you have to go to work soon. Yeah. <laughs> and then on top of that, usually you don't stop because you want to stop. You stop because you can't keep your eyes open anymore. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. or because you're getting, someone's getting hollowed at, like, or too drunk. Like, someone's like, you can get blah, blah, blah. Or someone's yeah. getting an asshole, like, they drank too much. Like, my last campaign was like that. Like, one of the dudes, like, remember I had mentioned that I was DMing and I was remote and they were all together. So in this one situation, the, the one guy who had played some D&D was with, in the room with me, and he was watching my TV. It was on, like, the channel login to the the, the character roll 20, and I was up on the DM roll 20, and they were back at their house on their character login, right? Yeah. And, like, he just, like, he felt disconnected from the group, so he drank too much. And, like, at one point, he started yelling the same thing every time. He was like, hold the line! Form a wall! And I'm like, dog, we are out of combat. <laughs> you guys, you guys have been out of combat. The, the bad guy is dead. It was like the beginning of. Uh, You're in the blacksmith shop. What are you doing? Absolutely, I'm thinking they were in safe and the keep walls, and like someone killed. Like it was the dragonborn from like they decided to fight the dragonborn to get the board of the dragon queen. They were like, fuck it, kill him. And I was just like, all right, cool. If you want to, okay, cool, 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 cool. Like I have a. Right I have now, a... I wasn't prepared for this. I had I a really hard to tell you not to fight this guy. I had a friend uh since rest in peace, but he uh he I went and saw um the Hobbit what was it the Battle of the Five Armies? Yeah, I think it was the last one and the dwarves did that shield wall and he literally, Oh yeah. In the middle of the theater there's like it was like opening weekend so the place was packed. He stands up and just both fists in the air and like belting out with his head back, yelling, Shield Wall! <laughs> and he, he had red beard. I mean, like, this guy was like the quintessential dwarf, but it was just, it was involuntary for him. Side quest. Anyway. Dude, I saw, <laughs> I saw the Battle of Five Armies about three months ago for the first time. Yeah. I saw, I saw the very first Hobbit and I was like, oh, that was okay. I saw part of the second Hobbit, and I was like, this one, I don't feel, it doesn't feel, didn't feel right. Yeah. So, but, you know, years later, down the road, I ended up watching all three of them, and I got to the Battle of Five Armies, and I was like, that fucking dwarf on that, sh- that big giant sheep? <laughs> Fuck yeah. The ram, yeah. The, <laughs> the ram. I was like, that is legit pure D&D. Oh, yeah. Like, all, all I was I like, s- I was like, that's Ben. That's Ben's <laughs> character right fucking there. I'm pretty sure that has been CGI'd right now. <laughs> I feel like every time a dwarf rides a fucking ram or a battleship, like the ram's head is always too big or not big enough. That's perfect. That I was you. Like that was you. Shut up. That was you. <laughs> the thing I love, the thing I loved about those Hobbit movies, so like the first, so like Lord of the Rings, like Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings was great. It was, it was what it needed to be for like a movie adaptation of the books, right? Was, like yeah. I grew yeah. up reading books it did a very good job as a movie exactly they did a very good job making a movie of something you have to realize the book is a different medium than a movie there's a lot of liberties a movie has to take to make it functional and fluid exactly right and so the thing is is like the hobbit movies did one thing that fucked fucked all up for me and it was the lighting the first hobbit movie they're in it is raining and they all have, like, touched by an angel bat glove yeah. on their face, right? And I'm like, there's no sun here. Yeah. Why feel, is that person glowing? It feels like, the, like it feels like the Hobbit movies have that Sin City vibe to yeah. them, as opposed to yes. the yep. grittiness of the Lord like, of the Rings. So the first one, I, like, just said, fuck it. I said, fuck all of them. 
And then someone sent me a YouTube video of, like, Benedict Cumberbatch crawling all over the floor with, like, mocap sensors on, <laughs> doing, like, the Smout the Dragon monologue. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Second chance. Like, Benedict Cumberbatch is a fucking dragon. Like, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, and he I was, was like, wasn't he? All yeah. He's smug. Dude, he was. He did such a good job. I went and watched all of those movies back-to-back when they dropped them on HBO Go, like, five months ago. Yep, I, that's like, exactly what I, I did it. It was, like, cold as hell outside. I was like, man, I, my friends are going out to a glacier, and that sounds just terrible right now. <laughs> I'll just be right here. And, like, I just sat in my house, and, like, my girl played, like, she's, like, a super Elder Scrolls Online dork. She, like, all she does is dailies. She runs and does her dailies. She's super into it. She was doing that, and I was like, what are you doing? She's like, nothing. I was like, video games? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, like, a couple hours? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, cool. How about you? And we just turned it on. So I was sticking out having something to watch. And man, like, watching them back to back, it's not bad. Yeah, it, it you wasn't. Have to suspend your belief. You have to suspend your disbelief a little bit more than you would by reading a book about wizards and elves and, you yeah. know what I mean? Tell, tell me, yeah. Mike. When you're already suspending that disbelief, if you just suspend it a little more, the hobby movies are great. They, they are. I, when I, I watched the very first one when it came out, and I watched the second one partway through, and I I just got so uh you know pushed away from There's it. There's so much extra. There's so much stuff that didn't happen in the book that they yeah. added to the movie just to make but, three movies. But like, but like you said, putting them all three together in one sitting, which is what I did, taking yourself out of the book and just letting yourself and be enjoying some bad yeah. swatch. Yeah, just just being in in like this isn't your version in your head of reading yeah. the book. This is this is Peter Jackson's version in his head mm-hmm. reading the book and what he can do with a camera. Yeah, you know, and, and after you know getting into that headspace, I was like, these movies are actually pretty fucking good. I like well, them. And, and why did it take so long for Billy Connolly to be a dwarf? And for those of you that don't... <laughs> How many fucking movies well, are there of dwarves, get, though? Well, well there isn't, but like... Well, I'll tell you right now, Why Andy, wasn't Andy, Billy Connolly one be, of the, the... Why wasn't he Gimli? You know what? No, no. Because he was still unstrapping all the fucking guns from his fucking trench coat. Well, you know, in Boondock Saints. Yeah, that's like, could, oh shit, could, this is gonna take a few years. Hold on. That, 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 that could I be. just, dude, there's no movies about dwarves. Like, no, if you think really. about it, there's no. like no fucking. If there's anybody all, that's a dwarf, it's him. But if, out of all the lore and stuff surrounding and dwarves. And a fucking ram. <laughs> like, think about it though. Like, how come we don't have more movies about dwarves? Dwarves' lives matter. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it all comes down to, like, I mean, movies and books are like that, though, you know what I mean? Like, we've talked about it, the difference between, like, certain intellectual properties. And it's like, I remember we talked about earlier about, like, that, that silly-ass Wolverine Origins movie, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's like, movies versus, like, you know, The Hobbit versus the books. They're two different mediums, right? Yeah, They're yeah. completely different. They can't be the same, right? So people, like, I feel like it's a lot of people, like, those, those true, like, purist nerds, right? And I'm that way with certain, like, fandoms and so forth. Fanboys. Exactly, but like some people just can't accept that things can and have to be different, right? Yeah. So when you look at like the X Men movies, right? I feel like the X Men movies were like a perfect example of this. The first three X Men movies that were released were just kind of like cool. You guys like took characters that resembled the X Men and made like this story about it to make it make money, and that's cool. 
and people were super mad, like, oh, that's not the costume they wear, or oh, that's not how so-and-so became an X-Man. Hugh Jackman is too tall. (laughs) Exactly, right? And then they made these X-Men movies, the first-class movies that were, like, basically, like, you know, variances of, like, various spin-offs and, you know, what did they call it? An arc, right? Yeah. And so it's like, if you think about it, how many times have they rebooted the X-Men in the actual comic books? Oh, it happens like every three how years. Many, exactly. <laughs> how many times they rebooted Batman? How many times they rebooted... Oh my god, Batman's Batman? number one. And nobody's mad about it because it's the traditional media. Yeah. Right? Which is yeah. comic books. So they make it a movie, and no matter how rebooty it is, it's like, oh, well, you can't do that. You can't be Why the fuck not? Yeah. Like, oh, Ben Affleck can't, can't be Batman. Well, you know yeah, what? Well, he mean, fucking turned out to be a really be good Batman, Batman so fuck off. Be... Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I think. Ben Affleck was a fun Batman. He was a better Bruce Wayne than a Batman. Yeah. But, I, but I, I think that goes back to, sorry, Andy, I think that goes back to what we've been talking about, about third party um, content. Is exactly. Like, and the difference between the D&D community and, and, every, and other communities is like, as a community, like, we're, we're willing to accept your spinoff. Yeah. Of whatever you want to think about, oh, or yeah, whatever yeah. adventure you think that we should go on, we're down for the adventure. Everybody yeah. wants to go on. Oh, that you want to rewrite the Pantheon in your Feyrun? Feyrun, okay. Feyrun hasn't even reached fourteen ninety two yet. Yeah, we're cool with that. Let's do <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, let's roll with it. Yeah. Or you want to create a whole yeah. new fucking world and have it be a spin-off? let's roll with that? Is that a D and D pun? That's the next T shirt. Yeah, let's, let's roll, roll with, with that, it. dude. <laughs> Oh, but I, I, like I said, I think it. that that's people holding on to what they have the image in their mind, and people being accepting of other people's images in their mind, and and that's like like you've said, like all of us have said, like that's what makes this community like the the most accepting and and special community that I've ever been a part of. Like, there's been other communities where I'm like, even the Magic the Gathering community is like super like fucking uber integrated like you have to either play modern or you play standard or you play commander there's so many segregations of these things i have no idea to where is. to whereas the D community is like oh let's just play let's just go yeah. on an adventure oh you're artistic or you want to be artistic go ahead be artistic like it, it's crazy to me how like you said the overwhelming positivity of people when they believe you know, or want to yeah. be a part of something you know so i, I brought this up in our pre-funk that you see a lot of people, uh, there's there's the disdain I see on Facebook and stuff like that between Pathfinder and 5e. Some people are like, Yo, you know, a cleric in Pathfinder is so much better than, we'll, 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 we'll stomp the floor with a cleric in 5e. And I'm like, you know, well, you know, that's in my head at the moment. I'm like, well, that's two different games. But then I hit the comment section where, you know, gold is made. <laughs> and uh dodgecoin <laughs> and but you see in the comment section people like the vast majority of the comments are like dude who cares like it's just fun let's you know enjoy you enjoy you we're going to enjoy us or you know it's it's two different games let it go there's such a broader a broader in the comment section there's a broader sense of camaraderie in the D community then take uh i i guess maybe like your the magic i can only imagine the comment sections in the magic you know i dare say the comment sections in anything political or religious holy fuck there's well, yeah, no we camaraderie there you, you know we're talking about trolls right 
And so the thing like that I thought was really interesting about that conversation is like the 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 juxtaposition between like a troll and a troll troll. And it's like sometimes it's okay Well yeah, it's well sometimes it's okay to troll the trolls because they need to be put in their place, right? But you can just tell the people that are mad at people for having a different imagination, it's like, why mad? Like the the term you mad bro applies so hard to those people. Because it's like, you know, people are just like, hey, what if this? What if I want to build a bard that is also a sorcerer? It comes from like a family of bloodline magic, right? Yeah. And but, but loves music, and because to me that is who I feel like. It's yeah. like, well, you can't do that because sorcery magic scales off the clock, and bard magic scales off, and you're just like, come on, man! Like, are you really going to get that upset right now? Yeah, you know the funny you're, thing is. Me and Andy had this conversation right before he started picking up uh, DMing for teenagers, and and he was like, Dude, like <laughs> he was like, yeah, how? drink, yeah, he's like, how how do I do this, or or they want to do this, and I was like, dude, just go with it, just don't tell him no, I was like, just roll, just find a way, because As he's no telling me no, you can't do it that way. Word in the world. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, people don't realize it. It, is, it. No is the most powerful word in the world. When you tell someone no, you're telling them so much with yeah. two letters. Right. And it's like, just let people, well, let how people many, be. Yeah, how, but how many how many doors or avenues are you closing with those tor- two letters is what Absolutely. I mean? You know what I mean? Like, two letters. Just, it's two letters, one syllable, and you're ruining someone's day or week or month. You're shutting them down. You know, you, you, you just, it, it's terrible. Those are, those are two terrible letters. And, and, yeah. And, and it's, especially and you push them, and then they're two great letters. Yeah, on. Oh. It's turning, yeah, because making you know turning something on, right? Yeah, turning something. Bro, at the end of the day, we're, we're all pretending to be wizards and cast magic and fight yeah. dragons, right? Like, who the hell is supposed to tell me how to do that? Yeah, <laughs> screw you, fuck you. I'm a wizard. Don't like, tell right, me you're going to tell me how to kill some man up thing. Cool, cool, man. Way to be the rules god. Way uh. to go. You feel powerful. That's like, a that's a podcast episode on its own. Is the rules John, would you like to take a point on that one? <laughs> John I, is I, our token rules guy. John is our. I, I could go look at uh, Sage advice. Well, no, I feel I feel there's a huge difference between like a rules lawyer and then somebody that just knows the rules or is interested in learning the rules. Yeah, but you don't know the rules. You have to constantly go to Sage. But I He's also read them once. But I also, <laughs> but I also don't say Ben. This is how it is. I usually like hey, ben, when he was I'll, sitting across from ben, somebody. He did. Ben, you <laughs> can you can make your rule. I'm just gonna let you know what what. So you know what I stopped say. doing? I stopped even looking up the rules. And whenever I have a question about the rules, I'm like, John, what does Sage advice say? Yeah, it's easy. <laughs> If you want to get an idea of what they intended with that rule. Uh, you know, a funny video, hold on, to plug, and I, I don't mean to plug, he don't need any plugs from me, but uh, Taking 20 does uh, a top 10 of, of rules as written. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, there's some funny shit in there. There's some crazy Dude, there's shit some, in there. Like, a grunt can actually kill himself from jumping too high. Yeah. What? Yeah. Rules as written. I thought grunt. It's crazy. There's so many yeah, crazy rules as written. If you want to play a grunt. In 5e. But, Mike, we're going to wrap it up real quick, man. We, we got some D&D to play tonight. Oh, uh, yeah. I just want to... I just oh, want to play tonight? Yeah, yeah. we play... We, dude, this is a D&D Yo, you day. Can, you can totally let me guess, guess game in one session. Just, like, call me up and let me play, like, what level of a character. I don't it. have a problem with that. Dude, <laughs> we, we'll, we'll zoom you in, bro. You can be the talking head at our table. Oh, dude, I love it. 
We have the technology. We'll set it up. Um, but we have the technology. We can rebuild it. That's <laughs> what the kinky gear. One, no, 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 no. <laughs> the kinky gear. We All got eighty ninety on top. That's right. And all of a sudden, it's a different theme. They got they got in on a Sunday and on Monday, and switched the theme. And they're like, "How the fuck did I get here?" <laughs> this isn't my house. This isn't my supernatural wife. <laughs> so anyway, man, we just wanted to thank you for coming on, man. And and I wanted to quickly say and plug what I talked about earlier is that at Up Dice and Brews and Mimic Stickers are doing a collaboration where Mike is actually drawn drawn drawn. drawn uh, a campaign logo for campaign chronicles and and me as a forever dm in the campaign that i'm running will be running with that so i'll be doing uh, updates on my campaign on youtube and mike's logo will be featured in that campaign as nice. campaign everybody, everybody check out some mimic stickers yeah oh, get good yourself God. some mimic, mimic stickers and and mike you've been a pleasure to be with man it's 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 awesome no, you guys have been awesome dude. This has been a really fun time. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And yeah. we'll, we'll definitely yeah. be in touch, man. And we look forward to like maybe maybe like a monthly segment with, yeah, with Mimic in, Stickers, man. Bring like, in just, Mike. Yeah. See what Mike's sure. got to say on sure, some man. topic. Like, yeah, man. Like I said, like you guys, you guys have been awesome. Like uh, I, I really appreciate uh, Ben and AG and John all having me. Um, it's, it's been fun. It's like it's been a long time since I've talked with people about fun stuff. And just kind of be able to like let loose about it. Plus, make some killer beer with you guys. Yeah, so. yeah, that, yeah, that's good the best choice, part. man. You you got my number one. You picked you picked my number one so far. He's literally awesome. not going to stop hey, talking maybe about next it. Time we'll pick another beer, and you know, you know we'll, we'll definitely stray away from IPAs so that we can make Andy happy. Oh yeah, <laughs> we don't give a fuck about Andy. <laughs> <laughs> See, Andy Andy doesn't like IPAs. I don't like chocolate, and, and I'm just fat. And <laughs> Ben likes all of it. What am I? <laughs> I like all of it, man. Like, we'll, we we can do it. Like I said, you guys you guys have been a blast to talk to. It's been fun. Uh, like, maybe we've been like theory crafting like the D and D community, and that's been kind of cool. Yeah. So it's like just being able to talk with you guys about your experiences and uh, you know talk to your mind. It's it's been a really good time. So again, I super appreciate you guys plugging my uh, sticker company and one of your other podcasts and inviting me on this one. Um, I had an awesome time. I'd be willing to hang out with you guys whenever. Yeah, dude, we'll make it a thing, dude. And honestly, and then we'll, like we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about you uh, on Instagram, uh, guest starring in one of our campaigns as a player. We'll we'll make it happen. We got the shit to do it. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. Just like give me some give me some ahead of time because my my summer gets crazy. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, ahead, for sure. Like, give me some notice, and we can, we can definitely do it. Like I will try and roll some ridiculous character that will make some fun happen. Sounds Sweet. great, man. Oh, you can yeah. be the Warforged, uh, yeah, the Warforged dwarf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Warforged dwarf with a very stereotypical Scottish accent. Yeah. Yes, I love that guy. <laughs> make sure, he, make sure he brews eighty ninety. <laughs> Absolutely, and then, he, and then he brews eighty ninety light, which is five thirty. <laughs> oh, that's the light beer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, thanks again, man, and we appreciate thanks, you Mike. being on. And uh, dude, I'll be in touch, and 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 I hope your summer goes by fast for you, man. I hope you don't work too hard. Oh, it'll go no, by so no, fast. I hope, it, I hope your summer goes by slow. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I, like I know it'll go by fast, but I want to try to enjoy every moment. Yeah, for sure. You you got what I was saying. You you were picking up what I was putting down. <laughs> Fuck you, John. Sure was. The only time picking up what you're putting down as hard is the D four. Oh my god, yes, yeah, it's the worst. Especially if it's metal yeah, for some fucking reason. <laughs> 
Yep. Oh my god, I like that he, the new cuts and dice makers are making these cool, like, shard D4s. Yeah. Like, the triangle ones are just, just frustrating. Do you feel like that's breaking the mold, though? Like, man, a D4 is supposed to be a triangle. Like, actually, it is actually breaking the mold. <laughs> Twice yeah. over. It's it's supposed yeah. to kill you. It's absolutely, 100% breaking the mold. Like, it went from being a triangle to a completely different shape. The mold has been broken. I feel like you had too many bass watches. You need to go now. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right, Mike. Thanks again, brother. Later, Mike. Yeah, man. Thanks guys so much. Have a great night. Enjoy your session. Good luck. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon. You sir. Take care. All right, brother. Man. That was fun. That was fucking cool. Yeah. Mike's a good dude. He's hundreds, maybe thousand miles away. Yeah. Wow. Dude, I think he's going to replace you on the podcast. Oh, fuck. Man, no that that was fucking that was cool shit, man. Well, like uh, like we've been talking about, hey, we got some D and D to play. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. That was that was that that was really fun. I think uh, we need to collaborate, you know, with Mike some more. Reach out to some other people, maybe some other oh, people. Yeah. yeah, fuck yeah. Oh, the gate's wide open now. Yeah, yeah. hopefully I recorded it all. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, we're not a quadruple zeros right no the no. red lights are all on so i guess we'll see yeah, he's, he's he's at a one hour and 42 minutes on that last section so you I did record good. mike right so we're not that's what talk. i'm hoping yeah <laughs> all of a sudden there's no mike oh that would be a weird that would be suck. <laughs> hey mike we're gonna send you this and uh we just, just need to fill in the <laughs> just go ahead <laughs> just go ahead and add yourself into this oh <laughs> yeah terrible. but okay guys uh Check out Mike at Mimic Stickers Mimic on Stickers. Etsy, and obviously you heard him, he's a good dude, down to earth dude, part of this community. It turned out to be a really good episode in a, in a fact that we didn't really have a direction for this, so oh, it was yeah, really we're, nice. We were at a toss-up. Yeah, it was really nice to have a, a nice, positive, uplifting co- conversation about this community and about other people's influences on, on people in, in yeah. general, and the positivity that... That, that they can create in other people's lives. Yeah. This community Absolutely. is huge. Yeah. And and, and and just in general a positive place to be. And it's bigger than you think it is. Right. If you if and you're, you're not feeling, alone. Yeah, if you feel like you're alone, just go talk to somebody. You're not alone. I guarantee you know somebody that plays D D. Or know somebody that knows somebody that plays D. Even if you don't know Either they one. play D D. Did you know they play D D? <laughs> and just like we finish every other podcast you can follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at of dice and brews did i get them all the time plug yeah. that uh mimic stickers again plug the mimic stickers on etsy also follow them at mimic stickers on instagram yeah and life's an adventure roll with it